He thought he was in control. How wrong he was. What's up? It's Shane, and you are tuning into the Dark Side Drive-In. I'm joined with the best demon hunter on Earth, Stefan. Why don't you give yourself an introduction? A uh, new phone who dis. Also, not a great demon hunter, or even any kind. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> like I said, you're tuning into the Dark Side Drive-In, which is our horror-themed podcast where we review movies from the 80s. Maybe sometimes we'll dip into the 90s, maybe go back to the 70s. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, we've had a lot of support. We thank you guys for everything. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, again, you can reach us on Twitter at the dark side drive-in. Uh, you can reach Stefan at, at dark side, dark Schneid, um, dark Schneid, my bad. Uh, <laughs> off to a great start. And, We're doing it. We're professionals. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Doing a great start. But, um, unfortunately we have some bad news. Wait, 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 um, wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Okay. I'm going to let you get to this thing because I demanded you do it. But it's okay. at Dark Side Drive-In, not the Dark Side Drive-In. Oh, uh, my bad. Oh, my God. You run was, that thing. I, I, You know what? Stephanie, you passed. <laughs> passed. Was that a test? Oh, yeah, sweet. that was a test. That was your that was your 90-day test. <laughs> All right. Okay, back to, the, back to the thing that I'm making you do, though. Yeah. So I made a grave error, and I want to take this time to apologize to all of America that I misappropriated an acting credit. So Sandal Bergman is the actress who was in Conan the Barbarian. Um, she has a great line of work. You should check her out. Um, we had a huge argument about Red Sonia earlier, but uh, yeah, I apologize. Um, so yeah, that's that's my apology. I think you, you need to apologize a little bit too, because you really let some people down, you know what I mean? We were let down. Okay, so what... <laughs> we were let down. Yeah, so what he's talking about is, um, last episode, when I was announcing, like, where you can find uh, Night of the Demons, I added Tubi to the list because it was there. I saw it on Tubi. But it turns out that the Tubi version was a commentary track version with, like, the director. Is it director and actor commentary? I'm not sure. It was just definitely... It is director and actor and, st- and um, makeup people. Oh, so, like, everyone. I uh, can't imagine how that would get crazy. So on the commentary, there was Billy Gallo, who's Sal. Kathy Podwell, that's Judy. Uh, Kevin Tenney, who is the director. And then they had um, Steve Johnson, who uh, ended up marrying, um, what was her name? Linnea Quigley. Linnea Quigley. Yeah. Which is kind of like, they kind of talk about it in there, and it was kind of... Um, that anecdote? Like, why how it happened? I was going to cover it during the plot synopsis because it kind of like you have to get to that point and know why it happened in order to kind of give it context. Right. So then and then the final uh, person on the commentary was Hal Havens, who played Stooge. And, you know, I actually liked so I saw the movie for the first we watched it together. It was our first time ever doing that. It was pretty crazy. First time ever watching it together. <laughs> yeah, it was a great time. And but, we definitely remember the end. Yeah. <laughs> um. So uh, don't drink tequila, folks. Anyways. Uh, nope. So <laughs> today I'm like, okay, I'm going to just get a refresher. And I'm like, man, I kind of want to hear what they have to say about the movie. And like, there's a lot of really cool stuff that they did. 
um, and, and tricks that I didn't even know you could do. And they talked about it and they also highlighted things that I didn't even see when I was watching it. Um, it's super cool. So I highly recommend that if you like this movie, go check out the commentary on Tubi because it's really, really, really cool. And, uh, Kevin Tenney goes into a ton of details. Like he talks about how they funded the movie, like they're having budgeting issues, stuff they reused from his other movies that they were filming at the same time. They talked about like the house and stuff. So I'm sure we'll get into some of those details, but it's just kind of cool to hear it from, from the uh, perspective of like the actors and stuff. And actually, so Sal's character, uh, Billy Gallo, the actor, Billy Gallo probably had some of the most interesting commentary and he spoke the least out of all of them, like on the, on the track. (laughs) He saved it for when he really needed it. And also you're kind of undercutting my entire apology thing because you're the one who said to do it. And now you're saying, but actually watch it. Well, I was trying to do you because we're friends, you know what I mean? But sure yeah or you just are trying to embarrass me but but this, honestly <laughs> i was never going to give a good apology for this anyway because i was also bamboozled and also uh you know when you're a kid and you have to apologize to like one of your cousins or something for some shit you did and you always give like a really shitty first apology and then they're like now do it for real and then you oh, do a yeah, real yeah. one so i was a little jerk and i would always do like play up the shitty first one like I'm sorry, like a real asshole. Mm-hmm. And then I, when I, that way, when I had to give my real one, I could still half-ass it, and it would seem better by comparison. So, hey, hey Willie, uh, if you're listening, I'm sorry, bro. It probably wasn't Willie. <laughs> yeah, it probably like, wasn't. He would have killed you. <laughs> well, I mean, not that. Not when he was a kid. He didn't, he wasn't able to beat me up until he was like in eighth grade, and then he could, and then for the rest of our lives. When I met him for the first time, I know this is like you talk about inside baseball, but. uh you're like, oh, yeah, it's, it's the, my cousin, Big Willie. This is Big cousin, Willie's yeah. podcast. Yeah, sure. So I'm about 6'2". You're probably, what, 6'1", 6'2"? 6'1", yeah. Yeah. Willie is, what, 6'5"? I don't even uh, know. Yeah, like 6'5", six, 6'6", six, yeah. six, somewhere in that neighborhood. Dude, this kid, like, could pick up farm implements. Like, this guy was born to, to like, like he's, like, born to play football, for one. But, two, um, yeah, he, he uh, mountain of a man. And I think when I met him, he was, what, like, 17 or something? so um yeah i can't really speak to when you would have first met him it was but... your senior year of college yeah yeah he probably was like 17 18 because yeah. he started uh he was like a senior in high school when i was a senior in college so yeah yep. that timeline kind of tracks yep. probably 17 18 yeah super nice super nice but uh yeah oh yeah yeah he's great like but he is he is a, a very uh large human being so <laughs> don't cross him i don't recommend it yeah does that conclude the uh, Stefan's cousin Willie corner? Can we go back to what we actually uh, do? No, here? I have like five more things to bring up about Willie. No, that's definitely. <laughs> All right, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, we're good. Yeah. I'll be sure to text them about this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it comes out. Shout out to Willie. Yeah. Yeah. He's a I real feel one. Like, I feel also, like his Twitter um, should be big Willie style. And if it isn't, I'm kind of disappointed. I don't even know if he has it. He probably doesn't have Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah. Wow. We're really going into it. So I guess I should explain what's happening here too. So, yeah. Uh, we were recording on a Saturday afternoon and we both thought it'd be a good idea to have some alcohol. So we're really going for it today. Um, uh, we usually record on weeknights when we have to be responsible adult men and we don't have to do that today. So if things seem a little bit looser, uh, that's why. How's that? Did I cover it? Well, no. All right. We'll delete it. then. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right. So what's, uh, let's get into the movie here. Um, I, I have never seen this before, so our first watching was the first time I've ever seen this. Um, <laughs> I I actually really like this movie, so I'll let you take it away. So what what are we talking about here? 
Well, at first I was going to talk a little bit about like the, the cast and crew a bit. Yeah, for um, sure. You kind of, you kind of got into that a little bit um, with your intro. They're talking about the commentary track. Uh, the director here is uh, Kevin Tenney. He's got a lot of really good, uh, interesting movies. I mean, I, I, all right. So two different things, good or interesting. It's like, eh, some good, some interesting, uh, which board and then the sequel, which board two, and also which trap, which are all three pretty decent movies. I actually think which board is, is quite good. Um, if anyone's a fan of, uh, the last drive-in with Joe Bob Briggs on shutter, uh, he recently did an episode where he featured which board it was, it's pretty cool. Um, some other standouts, the seller, uh, Pinocchio's revenge, uh, which was one of those like movies that, uh, seeing the, um, seeing the box in the video store when I was a kid going to Hollywood video in the giant Eagle Plaza in Titusville and seeing Pinocchio's revenge. I was like, oh man, I can't wait to watch this movie. Then I finally eventually did. And it was just one of those movies where, uh, the twist was, it was actually like the kid and not Pinocchio. So, uh, <laughs> spoiler alert for Pinocchio's revenge. If no one's watched that, like movie from like 1992 or whenever it came out. But yeah, he's got a couple other ones that were interesting. Uh, Brain Dead, uh, Bigfoot, which is like a Bigfoot comedy, which is cool to see. But yeah, he's got a lot of horror movies under his belt. Not like, you know, Jim Wynorski levels of like, you know, multiple movies every year, but he's got a solid base. Um, and you can tell that he knows what he's doing behind the camera. I guess I'll move on to, for once, I actually wrote down the writer. Okay. Um, because I saw that he had a credit on the remake because there's a Night of the Demons uh, remake in 2009. Uh, which has a couple of like, I guess they're not really modern screen screen queens, but like Shannon Elizabeth is in there and she's been in a lot of like horror movies, you know, throughout the late nineties and throughout the two thousands. Um, she was in the remake of it, um, but he actually didn't write it. He was just giving credit for past script. I'm like, so you just mean the other script, like the, the original movie script, like hopefully he got some residuals for that at least, but they did like uh night of the demons Two. Uh, he was the writer on that and uh night angel. And then a couple other things that I hadn't really heard of, but I, I thought I'd bring up the writer for once. Cause I feel like we often overlook the writers, even though we talk about writing. So covering our bases this time. So don't get sued. Um, <laughs> moving into the cast. Um, yeah. So our main, our main uh, protagonist is uh, Judy played by Kathy Podewell. You know, she's got the standard suite of like eighties uh, and nineties credits. She's got like stints on like murder. She wrote Walker, Texas Ranger, Beverly Hills, 90210. Uh, she actually had a long, uh, like a long run on Dallas. Uh, and she apparently had like a really close working relationship with Larry Hagman on that. Hmm. So kind of fun fact. Yeah. She had a couple episodes in, in growing pains. If you're like me and watch growing pains on the Disney channel when you're a kid, that was uh, one of some of her credits. Uh, but as far as like actual movies, I can only find like earth angel, Beverly Hills brats. Like she hasn't really, she's not a scream queen. So she doesn't have a ton of like horror movies to on her resume. Really? I'll kind of jump around a bit because honestly, a lot of people on this don't have a ton of credits. Probably one of the main ones is Angela, uh, played by uh, Emily uh, Amelia Kincaid. She's like the uh, the main, I guess you call her the main demon, like the central focus, like on all the box art for this and then its sequels. She uh, is primarily uh, in her life was a dancer up until this point. Uh, she was in like Girls Just Want to Have Fun, Fast Forward, Fame, uh, Roadhouse uh, as a dancer. Um, but she did return for both uh, Night, of the, uh, Night of the Demons 2 and Night of the Demons 3, where she continued to play the demonic bride version of Angela. And kind of a fun fact, uh, the dance she does in this movie to a Bauhaus song, uh, she actually choreographed that. And she choreographs uh, subsequent dances that Angela does in the next two sequels. 
So it's kind of cool that she actually like was working that. Uh, and later, like she got kind of weird. She is like a psychic pet communicator. <laughs> uh, you know, it's good to have a fallback career, I guess. Uh, right. uh, talking to dogs with your mind. <laughs> <laughs> so cool. Uh, good for her. Probably the most, at least the the um, most roles out of any of our actors in this is Linnea Quigley. Uh, she plays Suzanne, uh, Angela's uh, boy crazy friend. Uh, she's been in so many things. Return of the Living Dead, Silent Night, Deadly Night, uh, Sorority Babes, and Slimeball Bolorama, which uh, actually a pretty fun movie, uh, but don't watch the sequel that recently came out called Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bolorama 2. Not as good. It does not live up to the first one. Uh, Nightmare's Sisters, uh, Vice Academy. She was actually in Witch, uh, Witch Trap, another Kevin Tenney movie that I mentioned. Uh, she actually had a, a horror workout video that she did. <laughs> uh, she really leaned into the screen queen thing in a way that, you know, a lot of, a lot of like actresses like tend to, you know, want to kind of veer away from that. They don't want to be typecast. Like Linnea Quigley had no such scruples. And as a result, she's kind of worked basically continuously, even unlike somebody like uh, Barbara Crampton who embraced her, uh, screen queen title. Uh, if you guys remember, I talked about her in, in chopping mall, she embraced it, but like later on and is now continuing working like since like 2017 on. Linnea Quigley actually has been pretty active. Granted, most of the stuff she's been doing is pretty low budget. Like, I don't know if you know The Barn. She was in The Barn. Clown Nado. You know? Uh, oh, man. So. Clown, Clown Nado. Yeah. I actually might watch that. That sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. It's not. But yeah, go ahead and give it a try. Does it deliver? It doesn't. It, it doesn't. I Yeah, I gave it a shot. It was not great. Okay. All right. But um, but yeah, so she's even been in a bunch of like screen queen themed movies over the years, like throughout the 90s and even to the modern day. Um, she was in one called like Three Scream Queens with, uh, what was it? Her, Michelle Bauer, who's like been in a lot of horror movies. And I think uh, Brinka Stevens, is that her name? Like, they're all screen queens who kind of like more or less kind of embrace the title. So it's kind of cool to like see her just like going for it in a way that, you know, some screen queens don't. I actually was uh, surprised because uh, my man Roger, uh, played by Alvin Alexis, I was expecting him because of his, he was like a pivotal role in this movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So I expected him to have like a really big resume and he really doesn't. He had like a brother from another planet, uh, Sweet Li Liberty, uh, some shows like um, 21 Jump Street, just like, you know, the same like one episode runs on different shows. I think he was on an episode of Sesame Street once. So it's kind of disappointing to see that he didn't have like, a bigger career because he this is a really like and for other people this would be a breakout role i'm kind of jumping around a bit because there's just so many people here like kind of how last time we had like eight people in a mall or not last right. time but the uh whenever we we're talking about chopping mall we had eight people in a mall now we have like you know eight quote-unquote teenagers in a demon house so there's a lot of people to go through but you'd mentioned uh billy gallo uh played who played sal mm -hmm. um he's got like a long list of credits of like mostly cop shows. And I kind of get it because if you see him now, he looks very much like he's got a very like stern face, you know, even back in the day, he was in like Hardcastle and McCormick and Hill street blues. And but then it, more recently Jag diagnosis murder, which is a great show where Dick Van Dyke decided to stop dancing and decided to start being a doctor who solves crimes. Uh, you know, Walker, Texas Ranger, martial law, NYPD blue, trying to think criminal minds suspect behavior which was a one of those short-lived criminal mind spinoffs mm -hmm. so he's been in, in a bunch of stuff 
I'm trying to find people that were really had different things going on. It's kind of cool that, you know, the actor who played Stooge, Hal Havens, was also in Sorority Babes and Slimeball Bolorama, uh, which is, again, what I mentioned that Linnea Quigley was in. Uh, he was in Witch Trap, which is another one directed by Kevin Tenney, and also uh, featured um, Linnea Quigley. So it's kind of cool to see like these actors kind of working together in multiple things. For our network, being that we have a lot of like video game fans, Philip Tanzini, who plays Max, has been an, uh, a voice actor in a ton of video games, like a lot of Command & Conquer ones, basically Red Alert 2, Red Alert 3, Yuri's Revenge, Renegade, uh, was in uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy, uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, Snake Eater, Dead Rising. Uh, so he's got a pretty hefty career in like in voice work, which is surprising because in this, he's just another 80s dude and basically everyone in the 80s sounded the same. <laughs> so it's, it's good to see that he was more distinct later in life, I guess. Is there anyone that you wanted to talk about? In particular? Yeah. So, so for like, like the, those are the people I, I originally want to talk about. So from watching the commentary, the one actress that they brought up that I, I didn't even notice this or know. So Karen Erickson, who played Judy's mother, she was in a bunch of Roger Corman films like back in the seventies. Oh, so, no way. Was that she cast because of that? Like the recognizing? Yeah, so her? I think so. Uh, Kevin Tenney's basically said like, it was kind of surreal. He grew up watching her on screen and then was able to cast her as like in, in the movie. So I think that was kind of cool. Um, Kathy Podwell actually quit her job. So she was a waitress. Um, and she got this and, uh, actually quit like you know you were saying like how like you know um some people did this is like their breakout role this kind of was her breakout movie kind of she did a couple tv shows but this was like her first production and then the other interesting tidbit i i picked up from the uh commentary was linnea quigley was not the original choice for that character um they're like some of the people on the cat like on the like produ production and like direction staff and stuff talked him talked kevin into picking her because she was a dancer so I thought that was pretty interesting. Um, just well, by then she'd had her her breakout role in uh, Return of the Living Dead, though. Yeah, which I I would right. argue is her her big breakout role is uh, Trash in Return of the Living Dead, which we'll probably cover at some point on this podcast. It's it's a seminal, you know, eighties classic film. Um, but I think her role in that was probably what cemented her. But she also she had a uh, couple had, before had, this. Yeah, but she had actually talked about how by the time this movie came out, she was like thirty. Mm -hmm. So she didn't think she could convincingly play a teenager anyway. So I think that even she wasn't really on board for it, but mercifully they changed their mind because her character is great in this. So I'm glad that everyone decided against that. Um, yeah. It was just cool. Cause he was like, thank God they did because it was <laughs> like, you know, yeah, was... I'd say some of her scenes in this are like the most memorable. I would say, I mean, obviously like Angela has a lot of great moments too, but yeah, and I'd say the last cool thing I picked up from the commentary that doesn't involve the actual movie itself was that they they said that while making this, they had no idea this was even going to take off like it did. And um, they said like one of the one of the questions they get the most is, you know, why didn't you guys make a soundtrack or you guys have a soundtrack, right? And they're like we they're like well we never even thought this was going to be like a thing, so like that's why we never like like actually went through with the soundtrack. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, did um, you see the the music credits at the end it was like almost all like kevin tenney and then another tenney which i assume is probably like his brother or something like someone related to him did like all the original tracks and stuff like that i think the only one that isn't theirs is uh the bauhaus song that yeah. uh angela uh dances to other than that though it seemed like it was all their original stuff 
which is wild to me that they wouldn't like release that because like we're going to be getting into the plot synopsis soon but the opening credits song is fire that thing rules like some synth like 80s like you know i'm a sucker for like all 80s synth yeah they they went they went into that opening scene and like kevin tenney didn't want to do it and they like because they were running out of budget and they're like oh it's gonna cost us so much money to do this and then finally they talked him into it and he agreed to it but i thought it was cool that again that's another thing that they didn't want that that he didn't want to do that someone else was like hey we need we need to do this it's really cool that it seems like it was a really collaborative thing then it seems like you really got that out of the um the commentary yeah i can't recommend it enough which is cool to see that he's like yeah because like a lot of directors or not a lot lot of directors i guess that's not cool to say but some directors can be very controlling of their productions and stuff like that but it's cool that he seemed to like be open to criticism or to new ideas and stuff like that it's cool to see that because you know you hear about guys like stanley kubrick who are just like monsters like alfred hitchcock who are just monsters to like their cast especially to their female cast members so Good to see that Kevin Tenney's chill. So he went into some details about some of the character decisions he made. You know, like with Judy, her initial costume was supposed to be Red Riding Hood, and oh, he, he was I like, didn't know that. he was like, no, because like Red's like demonic, and it kind of gives you the wrong idea about what we're trying to do with her. So then he changed it to Alice in Wonderland, and he said the reason he did that was because the scenes with the house, they couldn't make sense of some, like sometimes the doors were locked and the demons couldn't open them, but then the demons could take the uh, bolts out of the door, like out of the um, hinges, the like hinges, take yeah, the pins yeah. out. And he's like, well, how does that even make sense? And he's like, so what he said was that in his mind, it was like, she's Alice. Cause the house is wonderland. So the house is constantly messing with her. <laughs> so I'm like, and that blew my mind. Right. I'm like, I'm like, Holy shit. Like in some of the tricks that he did, with some of the cinematography, like the the different lenses, he goes into detail, like different lenses he used for certain shots. He's like, yeah, I really wanted to get that cool fisheye effect. They used a remote controlled camera for the dance for Angela, like how, how like they had it like basically like on a dolly so it could follow her around. So that's why that dance scene looks so cool because it was a different type of camera. So it wasn't like a person trying to follow them around. It, it's it's unbelievable the just the the tricks that they had to do to make this movie happen. And it made me respect this movie on on a level that I never thought I was going to get to. But we also had he did a lot of like tracking shots and he did a lot of um, a lot of work with, you know, that the Jaws shot like is what I call it. The one where it like makes it appear that they're like moving closer, but like the background's moving further away or whatever. Yeah. And that one's done by like what a doll, the dolly, like moving the dolly in while you're zooming out or something like that, I believe is how they produce that. Yes. But it's like a shot that was pers- uh, first popularized by Steven Spielberg. Uh, during Jaws. Yeah. So another thing was cool is the Hall House or whatever the the name of the actual place they were at. They said it was massive. Like it, it was so large that they didn't even have to get like dressing rooms. Like everyone used rooms in the house, like to to get ready for the like for the movie and stuff. But yeah, I was gonna get into that later because I didn't understand the geography of this house. And then when I found out that it, it was actually a real house, I was like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> like, okay, I have an answer for that. The reason you don't understand the geography of the house is because Kevin Tenney, they did a bunch of tricks where they would take a door and then like they would have a door like opening closing, and then he would keep looping that into different hallways. So like all those hallway scenes, like in real life, it's like a closet or like a bathroom or something. So what he did was he made the house look larger and he changed the layout of the house using editing tricks with, with the um, doors opening and closing. It's like the scenes where they shut and it opens and it follows down the hallway and it shuts. Like, so those are all, um, those are all like film tricks to, to make the house seem different. Right. And he even said when he went back there, 
he got lost a few times because in his head he had like the how the layout of the house was in the movie, but it was different than the layout of the house in that in real life, which I thought was so cool that he was able to to create an environment like that using just a few cool editing tricks with like doors closing and stuff. I thought that was so cool. Well, the only thing I knew for sure about the house was I'd read about how the cast bonded uh, mostly because like you said, they didn't have real dressing rooms. They just had rooms in this house, but it was like a really crappy old house. Yeah. So no one wanted to be in their dressing rooms. So everyone would just hang out together, which is why they, they really seems like their banter, even though it's somewhat annoying, seems very genuine. (laughs) And it's like, Oh, well it's because they were forced to hang out with each other. So a lot of that's probably just because they know each other really well, which is kind of cool. Like it really works for a movie like this. It's, very focused on a location with like a group of people who are like stuck there. But by the way, I just want to like backtrack real fast. Like we're barely even starting on this, but uh, I didn't realize she was supposed to be Alice in Wonderland. I thought she was Dorothy from the Wizard of Oz. I did too. So you absolutely blew my mind when you said that. It makes more sense now though, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess I should have known by how her hair was because right. it wasn't Dorothy like style hair, but like, what am I? So I'm going to expert in movie hair. Like, come on. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't realize that that was, that was actually kind of cool. Uh, I just want to do my due diligence and go through the rest of the cast that yeah, I didn't really sure. bring up. Um, so Jay is played by Lance Felt, uh, Lance Fenton. Uh, he was in Heather's, which was another major cr- uh, credit of his. I didn't talk about Helen, uh, played by Allison Barron. Uh, a lot of TV show credits to her. She was in uh, this movie called Vice Academy, which uh, Linnea Quigley was also in. Uh, a movie called Blood Nasty, a movie called The Haunted. So she's got some work, not, not as much as uh, some other people here. Um, I talked a bit about Hal Havens as Stooge, so I can skip him. I think the only other person I didn't mention was uh, Franny, uh, played by uh, Jill Tereshita. And what's interesting about her uh, her credits is she was in Sleepaway Camp 3. Uh, it was the other major like horror, uh, horror movie on her resume. But she's actually done a lot of stunt work, which I was surprised to see. Uh, like in uh, Quantum Leap, uh, Rapid Fire, even uh, as recently as the movie Collateral, the one with Jamie Foxx and, and Tom Cruise. So even as recently as that, she was still doing stunt work, which was kind of a cool credit. You don't see a lot of crossover between acting and stunt work. Yeah, I think that's that might be like unique of the horror world, though, right? Because like a lot of times, like low budget films, like a lot of these people have to do their own stunts sometimes. So like, I feel like um, out of out of any genre, I think you could say that a lot of these actors are sometimes stunt people, too. Yeah. And a lot of people have to wear different hats yep. uh, in lower budget productions. So it makes sense. I, I was just surprised to see it. Because like you know, have you have Angela who's done a lot of dancing work, but that kind of makes a little bit more sense than stunt work. But because um, honestly, I think that stunt work uh, as a whole is kind of undervalued in the movie industry, even to this day. Is a lot of stunt stunt performers don't get the credit that's due, and how many times you hear about stunt performers that are injured or killed while making a shot, and it's like you never even know who they are. So it's kind of cool to see somebody who does stunt work also be working in front of the camera a bit, like in a main role. Uh, as opposed to just some effect that they cut away and then show like the actors stand up and act like they just did something crazy. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, I guess we can probably start with the uh, plot synopsis of this guy, right? Yeah. So one thing I want to say before we get into the plot, how dare you? How dare I? Is uh, the, did you find, did you read about the original name of this movie? No, I, I actually thought it was called night of the demons. Cause this is a reference to the 1957 British horror movie night of the demon. No. So it was originally called Halloween party and the producers were having an argument with the producer of Halloween, like the movie Halloween. And they were pissed because it had the term Halloween in it. And they're like, you can't, you can't do this. So Kevin Tenney <laughs> wrote down now it could have been, it could have been, that's why he wrote it down, but he wrote down like five or six like different names. 
and was asking people like, Hey, would you go see this movie? And a lot of people said, yeah, I'd go see night of the demons. And that's how he said he picked the name. I thought that was so cool. Like a lot of the stuff <laughs> that happens in this movie. And like, again, this is like, this is like what they say, like your wedding, like if your wedding's a disaster, no one knows, but you, right. So like when you're watching these movies, like these actors are talking about stuff behind the scenes. They're like, this was terrible. And you're like, that was amazing. Like, I didn't even know that that even happened. It was so cool. Um, yeah. Again, if you can't tell, I love the commentary, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, this was going to be Halloween party. That was the original title. Yeah. I didn't realize that the producers of Halloween were like the, uh, people who make monster energy who will just like sue anyone that tries to use the word monster. Yeah, in right. It's like, Oh, we coined, we, <laughs> it's we like, coined monster. It's like, Oh, okay. Uh, excuse me. Halloween was not a thing until Michael Myers made it happen. Yeah. So plot synopsis time, baby, <laughs> um, baby. So, uh, smash cut opening animated, uh, series of images, I guess you could say some of them are spooky things flying in the air. Some of them are just scary images of like moons and like a really dope, uh, synth song. Like we talked about those, those tunes kill it. And then it ends with a really cool transition from like a jack-o'-lantern into the jack-o'-lantern on top of a Halloween themed car. Uh, being driven by the first of several uh, almost intolerably annoying people, which is a character named Stooge. He he is probably the oldest high school student I've ever seen in my life. And actually, as so like a, a quick aside, I'm going to talk about how annoying a lot of these characters are. And I think that works in two ways. Number one is the more annoying they are, the less you care that they're going to experience gruesome demises. Right. Um, but but also it's true to actual teenagers because they're the most annoying people on Earth. So. Back to it, uh, while the, they're driving this car, uh, you know, Stooge is a terrible driver, uh, just swerving all over the road. He sees an old man that he has some form of disdain for, so he basically does a driver switch between uh, Helen, who's in his passenger seat, and himself, uh, so he can moon this old man. <laughs> Very dangerous maneuver, for one. Don't change seats with a driver while you're driving. Uh, that's, one, that's, a, that's a free one for all you kids out there. But also... You know, don't moon people. Fortunately, the actor who plays Stooge, uh, Hal Havens, did not want to do an actual mooning. Yeah. So it's just he pulled down his pants and it's just like jack-o'-lantern boxer shorts. They talked about that in the commentary. And, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. He didn't want to do like a full Kevin was shot. like giving him shit. And it was, I, I think it was something about his parents or something. They made off comment. Like he was like, he didn't want his mom to see it or something. But but then they joked with like, that's why they made Kathy Podewell do the butt scene. So it was like the... They said it was a trade-off. <laughs> so, yeah, I was gonna say it's like there's a lot of objectification of female bodies in this, but I guess like his ass is a step too far. We're not having it. And then even Hal was like, you know, I don't know what it is, but just people love my large posterior. It's like people like they're objectifying. <laughs> it was kind of funny. Yeah, that's cool. Though. No, no, no I, honestly, I'm gonna probably listen to that commentary now that you've talked about it. But it's so good, dude. It's so good. We can watch it together. I think it'd be fun. Um, but this infuriates the old man, who is a very upset old man about very generally everything, especially. Um, Halloween. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hates that. 
it was uh but then uh another thing that there's another character in the back that'd be roger roger is probably my favorite character in this movie and uh, it's pretty cool because well i'll get into why it's why his character is cool later but he's there with them so like there's different groups of people that will eventually converge so i'm trying to cover everybody mm-hmm. uh, even though he doesn't have a lot to do in this scene he's he's gonna be important later because he's with this group uh so yeah the old man is upset uh, we get one of those cool tracking shots of the old man being stalked. Oh no, what's going to happen? Is he going to get murdered by demons or even demoning already? No, it's another annoying teenager. This time it's Sal scaring him with the fakest rat I've ever seen. <laughs> Just dangling a rubber rat in front of the old man's face, but doesn't matter. Old man is uh, jump scared and then very angry about it. I think I, in my notes, I have old man is displeased. <laughs> it's like old man is displeased. <laughs> yeah, that'd be like a newspaper headline for the most obvious newspaper of all time. <laughs> It's like you could just say that anytime and it'd probably be right. Yeah. Um, but then the next person to come to the old man is Judy, our uh our I'd say lead protagonist, heroine, final girl, whatever you call her. Uh she shows up and she actually wants to help the old man because the rat jump scare made him drop his groceries. But instead, the old man takes his day out on her and it's really rude and calls her a whore. And it's like, my dude, she's just trying to help. Like, so you know, she she says, see if I if I ever help an old man like you, and like heads off. Uh, then we get the old man, you know, doing some under the breath, like they'll get what they deserve. And he picks <laughs> up an apple and some razors. Uh, surely no good can come of this. Yeah. We'll and never know. <laughs> we will. We certainly won't. It is not Chekhov's apple and razors. This will never come up again. Um, anyways, we get Judy gets home, you know, she goes upstairs to, uh, I don't know. She get undressed first or she get a phone call from Jay first. I don't know. It's a, Jay. Oh, yeah, yeah. She gets the phone call first because that's important later. So uh, Jay is talking to Judy on the phone. They were supposed to go to a dance, but Jay wants to go to this party instead. This is one of those like mo- only in movies moments, because apparently the party is uh, by Angela, the quote unquote weird girl in history class, as uh, Judy describes her. Uh, she's throwing this party. And Jay is like one of those stereotypical, like preppy, like probably rich kid kind of guys. And it was very strange to me, the idea that someone like him would go to like a goth weirdos party. And it's like one of those things that only happens in movies. Do clicks like merge in order to have different tropes execute themselves? Like in real life, mm-hmm. people tend to hang out with people with the same interests. And I don't know why I decided this is the time I'm going to get upset about it. But <laughs> I was just like, come on. Like, what are the odds that this asshole would go to go, go to the weird girl Angela's party? Anyways, uh, he, he's telling her that it's at the whole house a uh, very famous, allegedly haunted place. Jay, uh, kind of foreshadowing that he's maybe not a chill dude, doesn't even wait for Judy to confirm that she will go and just hangs up. So she's going to this party. That's when uh, Judy gets undressed in a very gratuitous manner uh, because it's an 80s movie. You got to have it. And uh, then she gets jump scared by her uh, brother, Billy, who is an absolute creep in regard to his sister's body. Like, yeah, it was unchill. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, man. Like, like, ugh. anyways, the little brother like takes his he was wearing a, a spooky mask. He takes the mask uh, to open the door because the doorbell rang and the mother's busy cooking uh, something, which we will see what it is. And it's gross. He tries to jump scare whoever's at the door, but that person isn't there. Uh, so the little brother's investigating. Uh, and then, you know, he goes to like a j- door that's ajar. And he gets jump scared by Sal, the guy who scared the old man with the rat earlier. See, everything links together. <laughs> you know, Sal, uh, Sal is a character that's difficult to understand 
what movie he was supposed to be in because <laughs> he's like he's like a he sounds like a like a bad stereotypical like italian greaser guy like always talking in like this like exaggerated accent and actually i think that's how he talks obnoxious what was that i think that's just how he talks yeah like i I'm think he's in, like a, i think he's a new yorker and i think they i'm sure he hammed it up a little bit but i think he actually has that accent think, is that how he talks in real life you're saying? yeah mm-hmm. there's zero percent chance he, unless he, he was in the this isn't in the 50s this is the 80s my man no, no no but i'm saying like the the accent i think they just had him play on it you know what i mean like he already had the new york in him or like the jersey and i think they i think they had it like hey <laughs> but you know what you know what fair enough you know what's cool about this scene is this was all done in one take one shot because they only they they said back then well I, I i mean hopefully this is still a thing but when dealing with child actors they can only work so long like even if they're on set it still counts like for hours and then they only rented that house for one night <laughs> so like they had to do everything in that house in one like one day so maybe if they had more time they could make billy seem like less of a creep no to his i think own sister i think oh no no yeah that was never i don't know i, <laughs> but I anyways, think, no no i, I, I saw that that was why billy didn't show up to the yeah. main plot of the movie is they couldn't get the hours for him to to work because of Correct. labor laws yep but uh i think most states are working on overturning child labor laws so soon uh your kid can go to the mines yep so congrats everybody we did it as a society about time <laughs> anyways uh speaking <laughs> of child labor he offers uh billy uh sal offers billy a quarter to give him information on where this alleged party is uh you get the idea that sal has maybe a history with judy or at least he has like a thing for her so he offers a quarter like come on man you got to give him more than that but then he it gives him a dollar um and then the kid spills the beans the, the party's at the hull house because uh, that was why I knew that the kid was in the closet during that part, during the phone call, because he overheard where the party was. Yep. Uh, Sal, I actually wrote down a line that Sal says after he learns about the Hull House. He says, what do you think I am? Some kind of idiot or what? And I said, yes, <laughs> I do think you are with that accent. So, all right. Uh, I'm going to work on costing us listeners in 1950s uh, Italian street gangs. So watch out. Sal steals the mask from the brother, and I said, I put in my notes, which is probably better in the long run. That kid uh, has impulse control issues. Um, smash cut to a gratuitous shot of a woman bending over, you know, clothed, but still kind of like, you know, male gaze kind of thing. Uh, it's at a convenience store, and basically what's happening is Suzanne, Lady Quigley's character, is uh, bending over, acting like she's looking at Tide very intently in a way that no human being would ever do in a public place <laughs> in order to distract the uh, clerks while Angela steals way more things than it seems like she needs. And also there are other people in the store, but she's just filling up her sack with items that they need for the party in full view of other human beings who are not presumably staring at, you know, Linnea Quigley's posterior. <laughs> so, you know, good work. She has her friend, uh, Suzanne doing, uh, some distraction. There's some kind of joke where Suzanne asks if they have sour balls and, you know, haha, it's great. We get an idea that that's the kind of character she is. You know, she's boy crazy, probably kind of slutty. Obviously someone in her thirties, <laughs> definitely not a high school student, but that's fine. Uh, but yeah, I said the idea that she's boy crazy is because what this is the first thing that she says after her, like sour balls joke is to ask Angela if there's going to be any cute boys at the party. Like, okay, we get it. Like we've seen this character before. You know, cut back to uh, Judy's house. Uh, her brother is watching a strange cartoon about flies that are trapped by a spider, which uh, 
now that you did the whole thing during Chopping Mall about the movie on TV foreshadowing something's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to be what happens to them in the house. <laughs> so they're going to be trapped. So they went through, they actually pulled a bunch of old uh, free, like, uh, what's that called? Public domain cartoons. And they had their people go through them and they handpicked that one. So they went through a bunch of them and like, like, hey, we need, we need to check this out. And Kevin saw it and he was like, yes, this is exactly what. Which is cool. Uh, I just assumed that was the only one that wasn't racist. Oh, All those old cartoons are racist. Prob- so pro- probably. Oh, thank <laughs> God. This one's just spiders and flies. Yeah. Let's do that one. <laughs> but anyways. Um, I think so it, what racist. is it? Yes. 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 Uh, you know, Judy's brother, Billy, continues to be an absolute creep with Jay, the boyfriend who's now there to uh, pick up Judy. Yep. It's like, man, this kid needs therapy. But then, you know, back then we didn't believe in therapy. So, nope, he's just going to grow up to have toxic masculinity, I guess. And run a company. <laughs> and this is like the main scene that I remember with uh, Judy's mom coming into the room. Uh, she offers like, what, fudge logs or something that look like turds? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know what those were. I, I don't even <laughs> think I would eat one. Yeah, Jay refuses. And it's probably, I put in my notes, the only time I've agreed with Billy on anything. When he said yeah. that they look like, he says they look like poodle shit or something. I'm like, yes, they <laughs> kind of do. <laughs> they kind of do. And then, you know, smash cut to um, Stooge ripping up a map to the Hull House because apparently Angela drew a bad map or he, he remarks on it. But I thought it was kind of weird that he needed a map to what's, you know, up until this point was seemed to be a very well-renowned local landmark. <laughs> like, why do they need a map? To so did Angela throw this party? Yeah, this is Angela's party. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Perfect. Just making sure. Yeah, that was the whole bit in the beginning when I was yeah. remarking on. Yeah. So. Um, well, I didn't know if it yeah. was like her. Like, so it was kind of weird because like I thought maybe it was like Max a little bit too. But um, it just seemed no, weird Max how they're all is just like the, Well, Max is the main character who knows he's the exposition guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's the one who knows all the research on this place right. and why everything's done. So, right. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's just coincidental. That, that Max, I think we're supposed to get the idea that Max is kind of like the nerd. Yeah. But he also has a girlfriend. Like, how nerd are you, buddy? You're not at home watching. You're not at home watching uh, Battlestar Galactica. So yeah, I don't know right. if I believe it. He's not a Trekkie. Uh, <laughs> but so Philip Tanzini that plays Max. So Kevin made a comment. And I promise I won't every time we talk about this guy because then we got a lot of movie to go through. But um, Kevin remarked it's like it's very hard to be the exposition guy. And to be able to pull it off the way that Philip Tanzini did. And the other actors remarked that it's because as a person, they said he's actually like super hilarious to be around. And um, we said that's kind of that character kind of worked for him because he just is a kind of a funny person. And a couple of them said it was like he's probably the funniest person they ever met. But uh, I thought that was kind of interesting because like it is hard to be the exposition guy because you're basically just like being a nerd the whole time. Right. <clears throat> Sure, sure. Yeah. So. You have to be the one to explain, like, here's the history and why it's significant that we're here. Yep. Dino DNA. Dinosaurs. Dinosaur. <laughs> um, I guess I'll run through this a little bit faster because I just want to get us this goddamn house. So um, <laughs> Jay and Judy go and pick up Max and Franny. So there you go. We got another couple in there. Um, Stooge's car has a flat tire and he continues to be <laughs> in my notes. I put he continues to be insufferable about how he doesn't have a tire iron to use for his spare. Because he says, I have a spare, don't I? He's like, yeah, but you don't have a tire in, dude. Like, you don't get any credit for that. You know, The then Jay's car comes up. Max uh, leans out and offers them a hand and then claps and drives off. Uh, and I put in my notes, how are these people even friends? 
uh, you know, Jay's vehicle arrives at the whole house. Uh, it's a model, clearly, in the first shot. Like, there's no way that there's an actual house on a hill that looks like that with a graveyard next to it. Sorry, that's just not how uh, geography works. Um, and that's when we get our first uh, expeditions exposition dump by Max. Where he, or no, it's not Max, is it? It's actually Judy who remarks that it used to be a funeral parlor, right? Yes. Yeah. So, and then Max is one who explains that uh, someone in the family went crazy, slaughtered everyone else in the family, and then committed suicide, and no one could tell who the murderer was because uh, too much gore. Yeah, pretty and much. <laughs> they make some kind of necrophilia joke about how the Hull man who ran the funeral parlor uh, really loved his clientele, but in a carnal way. I'm like, come on, guys, he's dead. Give him a break. <laughs> yeah, suspiciously, the gate is open, and because uh, the county has a hard time locking it up, that was what they said. Is like, oh yeah, it's probably demons doing it. Max uh, takes a stethoscope and goes to a wall uh, to listen to it to hear an underground stream that surrounds the place. Uh, so this is another in, in, uh, exposition dump because Judy follows him and listens and is like, why, you know, why is this happening or why does this matter? And he explains that evil spirits can't cross running water. So that's why they're trapped here in this place. Uh, Max notes that it's very quiet. There's not even crickets. And that's because uh, I guess crickets can control demons or can be controlled by demons, too. So crickets don't want to show up there. Then they go in and they have an opportunity to be mean to uh, service workers where they talk about how this place needs a maid. And they say, oh, hey. But the maid was killed also during the massacre. And I'm like, geez, you guys are the meanest kids I've ever seen. So you're not going to mind when they get murdered. Oh, there's a coffin in the middle of the initial room they go in because, you know, nothing strange about that. Uh, Jay goes to hide in it to scare the next people that show up. But Sal's already in it with a scary mask. Jay wants to fight him. And Judy says, why do you want to fight him? He's doing the thing that you said you wanted to do. It's like, well, I guess Jay doesn't have a lot of self-awareness. Jay and Sal do not like each other because they both like Judy. Um, you think that that's like some kind of thing that will be important later. Uh, it's not. <laughs> it, it only comes up sometimes when they talk about how much they hate each other, which like, obviously you're from different socioeconomic groups you were never meant to mix. Party starts with some 80s rock music, just generic stuff, and everyone, everyone walking around this dimly lit living room. Finally, uh, Stooge and Roger and Helen show up. I gather that they must have walked because the car, their car isn't there later in the movie. The very gaudy Halloween car they're driving. Right. Yep. Yeah. And they actually, this is what was confusing to me. So Sal just found out about the party from, uh, from Judy's brother, but not only are Roger and like Stooge not surprised to be see Sal, but it seems like they are taking his orders because he's like, where do you want this or whatever? Like to Sal, I'm like, I'm very confused about this friend dynamic dynamic. Cause it seems like certain people are annoyed by Sal, but these other two dudes seem really tight with him. Whatever, it doesn't matter. They're all going to die anyway. And then, so Suzanne is uh, dancing in a very uh, slutty way. Um, again, she has one character uh, character trait, and it's being boy crazy. Oh, what's next? A quick scene where Angela and Judy do not get along. But there's a, like, Judy's like lighting some candles. Angela tells her not to leave the lighter in case uh, the dead get it, which is important. Yeah, that lighter will come important. up later. <laughs> yeah, that lighter yeah, will come up later. Super important. I really like these scenes in these old movies where they like really like put a bow on like some event that happens, like with the in Chopping Mall. Whenever you had the uh, uh, what was it, the flare, and then here you have this lighter. All these things are like like little things that come into play later. Franny goes to Judy and asks if Angela scared him or scared her, but she says no, but still pockets the lighter anyway. I think at that point, what Suzanne is flirting with Max, so Franny brings Max a beer. In order to uh, stop him from ogling Suzanne, it seems like all these relationships have really firm foundations. 
if it's that easy <laughs> for them to get insecure about it. Helen sets up a strobe light because her parents were, what did she say? Like they used to be acid heads. I was like, yeah, yeah something, acid head something enjoy like a good that, yeah. strobe. <laughs> like, get out of here. And then I think that uh, Suzanne says like far out or something. I wrote that down because why? It's like Scooby Doo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, and and this is a this is a moment. It's like kind of unchill. And I was like, this is where I wasn't really on board with Jay anyway because he seemed like a rich kid. But um, then like Jay is dancing with Judy, and Suzanne just coaxes him away to dance with her instead. I'm like, hey man, you like brought your girlfriend here? <laughs> like, what are you doing? So like in the in the commentary, Kevin was like. Lance Fenton plays the best frat douche ever. And I was like, Ooh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, so I think, I, mean, he, uh, he, I think he maybe personified that a little bit. So, oh yeah, he was doing it. Yeah. He was going for it. Um, but yeah, so then, but then the, uh, the stereo dies, gives Sal another chance to be obnoxious. And he says, whatever heard of Duracell. It's like, were you paid for that line, sir? <laughs> but Angela's chill about it because she wants to have a seance. Because in all these movies they do say I've never done a seance. Have you done a seance in your life? I I haven't done a seance, but like this scene, I'm thinking like, okay, did Angela just like lure these people here to do this? Well, so. here's the thing though, she didn't. Because <laughs> later on, she's yeah. very concerned about what's happening. So yeah, so um, Helen doesn't want to do do a seance because that's too scary. Uh, but Franny then suggests a past life seance, where everyone can look into a mirror and see their past lives. Number one, never heard of that. Uh, number two, wh- how does she know what that is? Yeah, right. <laughs> so it's like one of the only character uh, character points we get from Franny really is that she knows what past life seances are. There's a noise. Stooge and, and Roger go to investigate it. And by that, I mean, Stooge forces Roger to come investigate it with him. There's like a scream, but that doesn't really mean anything. I actually, you never know why Roger screamed, but he comes back very nervous and then stooge comes with the big mirror is like what scared him <laughs> like him, himself maybe i don't know yeah yeah and then sal says roger is white as a ghost i'm like ugh, gross <laughs> oh i guess we didn't say it. roger is the only black character in this so it's important to note that's why it's weird for sal to have said that but yeah so everyone cringes at sal's line <laughs> what was what was the thing they're setting up the mirror for the thing and someone says it's just a mirror what harm can it do yeah right. like wow these people haven't seen the movie oculus <laughs> Which makes sense because it came out uh, well after this movie. <laughs> it's like a funny line to say. Uh, everyone is looking at the mirror to see uh, see their past lives. Is it everyone's past life or just Angela's? I didn't really understand that. I I didn't either. I thought it was just Angela's, but I I don't know. Like I feel like that's where some some of the stuff kind of is a little not too deep, but like they don't have enough time to like flesh it out. Maybe. Um. um or yeah. it's just fake. There's that. So yeah, we're yeah, talking about for, werewolf for rules. Sure. It's like these aren't real rules. Yeah, yeah. Werewolves aren't real. Right. Or are they? Yeah. Um, yeah, so they're all staring at the mirror. And then I was I noted that Roger isn't. Roger is not on board with all the supernatural stuff. Um, so he's well, his dad's like, a preacher, right? He makes sure to say that. I don't think he he says that until later. But um, but yeah, oh, that's what we, we do find out. You're right. You're right. Yeah, I think we find out when the strange shit starts to happen. Yeah, you're right. Yes. So um the mirror start goes black like when they're all staring at it so you don't see the reflections anymore you see like you know darkness uh but then someone says holy shit and everyone like laughs or turns and moves and no one's looking when like a demon face shows up yeah it's like a pretty scary looking puppet it's a pretty good effect i think this demon face but then helen looks back and sees like a corpse fall and then she screams and 
put a note in that one because that's going to be important later that the corpse that she sees oh okay um i think her yeah. screaming no that i mean it's just your basic stuff <laughs> um and then the mirror uh falls for reasons and then shatters and this is kind of a cool shot because it's like all of them uh reflected it's like a shot of the floor and the shards of glass and all of them reflected in it i thought that was a really cool shot and i know if you remarked on like all the you know director's tactics that he uses and stuff and they're all very good yeah he I did just, such a great job filming yeah this, this one yeah, this one in particular is like a really cool shot. Yeah. Just the way that they're all kind of broken up and stuff like that. So there's like some knocking down below. Yep. Uh, Jay's like, oh, it's late arrivals to the party. But Angela's like, I didn't invite anyone else. Yeah. Um, and then, oh, and then Suzanne gets another opportunity to say, I hope it's cute boys. <laughs> like, okay, we get it. We get what your character is, lady. Chill. <laughs> I wrote like, she hopes for cute boys because that's her entire personality. It's like, figure out, figure out something else. Get a hobby. But anyways, the sound is actually coming from the crematory. The demon bursts forth. Uh, and there's actually a pretty cool tracking shot as it uh, moves upstairs. And it kind of like, this is kind of a cool thing because it like pans between the different people. Like it's trying to choose mm -hmm. its host. And it settles on Suzanne because the demon is also boy crazy. So <laughs> they have that in common. So like in that, in that shot, they said that they purposely, so she was using that mirror as a con like the compact to do her makeup. And they said that they, like when they were filming, they noticed like the light was like reflecting off that onto her face and it gave it that like eerie kind of look. So they were like, they were kind of really like played into that. So they shined like more light into that mirror to like illuminate half of her face to look like that. I thought that was super cool. Yeah, that was actually in the kind of the effect of her getting possessed was kind of cool too. Cause it like yeah. looked like a duh, like smoke going into her and stuff like that. Like, so that was all done in reverse. I, I figured it probably was yeah. the way it looked. It was like probably they she had to blow smoke out. Um, for but it is a good effect though because sometimes reverse effects do look reverse, and I would say this one didn't. I think they did a good job of minimizing her movements so it looked kind of natural. Everyone remarks on how there's a cold draft and a stinky smell, which I thought was kind of cool because like it's obviously sulfur. Yeah, right. Because the demon hell is associated with sulfur, but like they didn't say it, and I thought that was kind of fun to like let the audience put that together. Angela immediately believes that it's demons like with zero prompting stooge uh continues to be insufferable uh he says angela's trying to do the ooga booga but it's probably just that roger farted and i'm again like why are you guys friends with this dude like out of all of them he's the most like insufferable and yet everyone is like still hanging out with him um this is when roger announces that his dad is a preacher and he is not about this he wants to leave there's a little bit of exposition where angela explains the difference between hauntings and uh possessions that hauntings are, are, you know, ghosts, but possessions are more like infestations. And then what is it? Sal says, like, you know, everyone's doing like their own version of a joke about how there's possessions happening. And what Sal says, like more like repossessed. But then I thought it was actually a pretty funny line when Suzanne demon version of Suzanne is like for tonight. Anyway, they just yells it. Yeah. <laughs> this demon's trying out like I've never I haven't spoken through a human in so long how do I join in and pretend like I'm doing a joke and it's actually a cool moment because everyone just kind of looks at her hello fellow children <laughs> yes, how do you do fellow kids Yeah, how do you do fellow kids <laughs> I'll so never good, get that right <laughs> it's kind of good that you don't though it's yeah. good allow me to help you with it um yeah so like uh at that point though like even though that was really weird Everyone else wants to stay and party except Roger and Helen who want to leave Suzanne. They don't have a car though, because like Stooges car lost, they had a flat tire and they couldn't change it and they had to walk the rest of the way. 
So uh, Suzanne tells them to take Angela's car and throws the keys to Angela's car to them. Angela is kind of objecting to this, but Suzanne's like, you can't leave your own party. And Angela just agrees because <laughs> those are the rules. You know, you can't break decorum like that. Uh, so it seems like Roger and Helen are going to leave. Um, at that point, you get the typical 80s horror movie time to leave to go bone down in a scary house. So Jay and Judy and then Max and Franny, you know, the two of the couples decide to go elsewhere. They go up the stairs. Suzanne, uh, at that point, uh, wants to use the uh, find a bathroom. Sal offers to join her, but she wants Stooge to come. And what is kind of mean and also uh, kind of funny. Sal's like, why would you want to go with a fat pig? Because I don't know if we mentioned it, but Stooge is also a big, big guy. Suzanne says, maybe I'm in the mood for pork tonight, at which point uh, uh, Stooge immediately snorts. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah, the right, pig, that's kind of the funny. Pig nose, like the... He did, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was his costume, so... He had a pig nose, but everything else is just him. Yeah, <laughs> yeah not, not defending Sal, I'm just saying, like... Yeah, no, Sal's yeah. unchill, but also, still, I would say Stooge is the worst character, and his size is not the worst element of his personality or of his, his entire self. Is it the mullet? It's, no, I actually thought the mullet was cool. It's him. It's him as a person. <laughs> Don't like him. So his costume, he had that demon thing on the front of the shirt. He was like that demon picture uh, on the sweater. And he had, uh, a, he, he had an anarchy symbol on his back. Yeah, on his back had the anarchy symbol. And then the front had that picture of that demon or whatever. And in the commentary, Billy Gallo, who played Sal, was like, he's like, you know, that was actually supposed to be on my jacket, but I thought it was really dumb looking. So I told him I wouldn't do it. So they put it on, they put it on Al Havens, who played Stooge. They put it on his shirt. <laughs> so, he's just down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Before leaving, uh, Suzanne kisses Angela. And like, clearly, Angela's reaction to it is that she's getting possessed. And I actually thought that uh, the actress played that up really well. Cause she had this look of like surprise and then horror, like she was fighting it and then finally like being possessed. And it's like kind mm -hmm. of a cool sequence of events. Um, Suzanne of course plays it off as I'm into all sorts of things tonight, meaning uh, intercourse I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Angela succumbs to it and then turns and smiles at Sal, uh, which that's how you know she's possessed. Cause no one would ever smile at Sal. Cause he's very annoying. <laughs> uh, so, you know, cut to uh, our four people who uh, went to bone down. They're actually just hanging out in what looks like a medical ward of some kind. Uh, Jay has the biggest flashlight I've ever seen in my life. Max uh, tells the story to everyone there about, um, or he, he tells me he wants to tell a story, but we cut away from that to get to Stooge and uh, Suzanne. Suzanne shuts the door on Stooge, uh, which bums him out because he thought they were going to go in together because intercourse again, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Stooge gets a jump scare from either the wind or a demon. I don't know which it was, and it's never explained. Then we get back to the, the group in the ward where Max starts telling a story about how like Native Americans wouldn't even come to this land, according to like the old settlers whose books he read. He's just uh, giving an exposition dump about like previous events where like a brave had like murdered his like wife and made a teepee out of her. It's like it's like I don't think that that uh, makes a lot of sense for the kind of Native Americans who would be living there. But it's like choice reading, bro. <laughs> yeah, it's like well done. I'm glad you read the exact exposition we needed to continue this movie. It's not like the demons would have just done it for us. But yeah, now that Max uh, has grossed everyone out, uh, he, he and Franny move elsewhere. And uh, Jay is trying to, you know, get, make his moves on Judy. She's too scared. And he says, well, that's the point is you're scared. 
So now it's time for us to do stuff. Anyways, cut outside. What are Roger and Helen up to? Can't find the gate because uh, now it's just brick walls all around. There is no more gate. Helen has a moment where she thinks they've died and gone to hell. Roger is not on board with that theory, but I would say Helen's actually pretty close because, I mean, if you're in a place with demons, might as well be hell, you know? Right. Uh, but then he, like, what, turns around and Helen's just gone. Yeah. Instant, instant missing. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, just gone. And we never really find out what happened to her. I mean, we find out what happened to her, but <laughs> yeah. like not where she went or what happened. Like how to her it happened. Yeah, yeah, how it happens. Yeah. Um, Roger hears a voice calling his name. It's ghostly and female, but I didn't know if it was like, it, was it Helen's voice or was it just a generic female voice? I couldn't really tell. So they like credited different people for demon voices. So I, I don't know. I think it was just, I think it was just a voice. Honestly, I don't know. It, it could well, have been. In any case, he goes to hide in uh, Angela's car. Um, I made a remark that she has an anarchy sticker and an Exodus sticker. An Exodus <laughs> rules. Dude, so Exodus just... rips. I met Gary yeah. Holt once. <laughs> nice. Yeah, literally. I'm actually seeing amazing. Exodus in September. I'm going to a, a festival, and yeah. Exodus is going to be there. So is, is, is he back with him? Is it with Gary Holt? That I, I actually don't know. I didn't pay much attention to who was. Because he was with Slayer, so he went with Slayer for a while. Yeah, I, I was kind of hoping they'd announce Slayer after they, they announced Exodus and a couple other thrash bands. And I was really hoping that Slayer would be on the docket, but they aren't. So bummer. But anyways, uh, that's for uh, all of our metal fans out there. <laughs> Both of you. Um, so now we smash Both cut to. <laughs> yeah. So we smash cut to Jay, uh, you know, making out Judy. Uh, so I guess he got her to that point. Um, but she's not in the mood. And then things get kind of weird where he makes like the uncool assumption that she must have had sex with Sal. Therefore uh, she must be down. And uh, it's like, she's like, I went on one date with him and he's like, and I'm like, Hey man, like, that's not cool. But then he says like, what is like, I thought you wanted this as much as I did. And she's like, Oh, so that's why you dated me. He's like, yeah, duh. This is the eighties. So then anyways, um, he leaves and because he's a jerk, his uncool trend continues because he locks her in that ward medic room yeah. and leaves. <laughs> it's like, all right, man, like really, really good guy here. What do we, we cut to stooge still outside the bathroom door waiting for Suzanne. Um, and she's having like, uh, some kind of weird demon face effect where her face starts stretching weird, but then it turns into like an old person face. Mm -hmm. Cause it's not the same demon face she has later. This is more like a old person creepy face um but uh she headbutts the mirror which you know stooge hearing you know breaking breaking glass he uh busts in she's not there door slams behind him gives him a fright there's a door opening uh synth sting scare but there's nothing there so that was a, a hiding for nothing as they say so uh sal's starting to actually i kind of credit sal's character i kind of came around on him a little bit because he's starting to notice something weird is happening <laughs> So, you know, Angela is walking around being like a weirdo. Uh, she says something weird about blessed be the sinners because the day of atonement is at hand and like starts doing some weird like back arch movements. Because like basically if there's a demon movie, you have to do weird body contortions. Otherwise, how do you know if they're a demon? Thanks for that. The exorcist. Dude, it's funny you said that. So Kevin Tenney was like, they're like, hey, what do we want these demons to act and look like? He's like, I don't know. I've never seen a, a demon movie. So I, the only one I saw was The Exorcist. So, like, that's what. literally everyone. It's like everyone's yeah. like, oh, demons must have to do weird stuff because The Exorcist said so. It's like, no, you don't. You can do whatever you want to do. 
but yeah, then she, what happens then? Then the Bauhaus song starts up uh, and she starts doing her dance. I, it's like, starts out like a sexy dance. Like she's trying to do some stuff to entice Sal, but it gets increasingly weird. Uh, She starts spinning like crazy. The strobe light comes on. Uh, I think like you said, there's like a sped up camera effect happening too at this, at this point. Um, And it's kind of good that they turn on the strobe light because you kind of can't tell as much with the strobe light going off. And as I mentioned, that that dance that was done was actually choreographed, uh, you know, by Amelia Kincaid. And I like I said, in the other two Night of the Demons, she choreographs uh, similar dances for herself. It's kind of just a cool little fact that I I enjoy that. I put Sal is now not on board with whatever is going on. And he does like a backing out of the room thing. And then he gets jump scared by Stooge, who's returned. Stooge approaches Angela. He uses a line. I think it's like, you come here often. It's like, obviously not. It's a haunted house. But then she said, (laughs) but he isn't all that concerned when she said that she never noticed how sexy he is and tries to kiss him. Uh, He should have been alarmed, not because of his looks. Again, I'm not going to shame this man's physique, but because uh, Angela had generally been kind of mean to everyone. And the idea that she's suddenly not should raise some red flags. But anyway, she bites off his tongue and spits it uh, out on him. I think Sal had left by that point, right? He had already bailed. Or did he, he didn't, yeah, he bailed before uh, Stooge gets his tongue bit off, right? Yeah, he left as soon as she started getting kind of like. Like as soon as Stooge came back, he bumped into Stooge and then he left. Right. All right, fair. That makes sense. Sal goes to find, he walks into the room where Suzanne is like facing the wall. She says she's fixing her face, but she just like drew all over her face with lipstick. So funny. That <laughs> yeah. that gif is hilarious. How's, how's my makeup? Like, and then it's like, and Sal's like, it's like, Sal's like now figuring out something's happening. He's like, okay, what's wrong with everyone? I'm leaving. He's like, I was like, I'm going home. And Suzanne's like, but you're already home, Sal. And he's like, absolutely not. He's like, what did he say? I have a nice house. My, my yeah, furniture right. has plastic covers on it and everything. I'm like, what a weird way to rate what makes your house uh, nice. But yeah, then you get some what uh, some gratuitous nudity where uh, Suzanne opens up the front of her dress, uh, implica- implying that she's going to continue to write on her chest now that she's written all over her face in uh, lipstick. Uh, Max and Franny find a coffin in one of the rooms they're in because again, this is a funeral parlor. Max says, "I've never made it in a coffin," and Franny says she hasn't either. And they decide that's a good idea because what could go wrong? By the way, I don't know anyone who's ever had a uh, sexual intercourse in a coffin, but I uh, will probably not continue to associate with them if I find out they exist. So just heads up, if you're boning in a coffin, don't tell me. Well, and it was like an old uh, funeral home too, so it's probably like a used coffin. So it's not like a, it's not like that place was like. Oh, yeah, new I'm not gonna in. like kink shame people if they have like a one designed for that. But yeah, no, not like an actual dead person coffin. Like everyone can have their toys. God. Anyways, uh, hey, like uh, I said, for any listeners that want to mail <laughs> Stefan a coffin, <laughs> I don't know where would I put it. My God, yeah. um, your bedroom. Yeah, just replace my bed with that. Um, yeah. So Suzanne, like, uh, this is a pretty cool effect, and this is like where I was going to bring up that fact you brought up earlier. So Suzanne is like drawing on her chest, and then she like pushes the lipstick inside of like one of her breasts or whatever. Yeah. And that was a pretty freaky effect, but how they did it was they took like a, what a, a mold of her chest. So it was like fake. So they could just like, it was plastic or whatever, whatever they do molds out of, 
But the fun fact of that is that the um, uh, the special effects technician was the guy that you mentioned earlier. Uh, they actually ended up getting married after this. So yeah, like, they joined was like love at first makeup or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was yeah, made like, of gelatin. So they they made it out of. Oh, gelatin. was that what they made out of? It was gelatin. And then the the lipstick actually retracted first. So like, as she pushed it in, like it was like a weird effect that the um. The lipstick actually collapsed in on itself, like as she was pushing it in. But but they said that it's hard to tell because they shot it well. But that um that piece was actually like pretty thick, like like of gelatin. So. Oh yeah, no, it's it's a great effect. Like I said, like like they they did like a full mold. Like that must have been an incredibly high part of their budget to get that effect. Like that seems expensive to me. Yeah, and they did a fantastic job. Like I mean, like it's they he did an amazing job. You can't even tell. Like you can tell a little bit, but not much, honestly. I bet you now with 4K you can tell, but like when it was originally released, I bet you couldn't tell. Well, that's what I was gonna say is like you can definitely tell if you know, like if you're looking for it. Right. But like if you're just like watching it and just like, oh, okay, okay. like it, it it does work. It still holds up, and that's why I love all these practical effects movies like this because yep, holds up really well. But um, yeah. So uh, Jay comes in and asks why the uh, when the lights came on. Because the electricity is on, but it seems like it's only on in a select rooms where the demon is. Yeah. But uh, rather than answer his question, uh, Suzanne starts unzipping his pants. So he uh, no longer is interested in electricity. Sal comes back downstairs and uh, tells Angela that he's going to leave. And she, <laughs> she has her hands in the fire and they're on fire. And she says she's just warming her hands in the fire. It's like, oh, funny, literally. Uh, now Sal, Sal finally realizes uh, something's going on. Uh, he tries to escape through the front door, but it is locked. So he runs elsewhere. That's literally what I put in my notes is he runs elsewhere. Because like I said, the geography of this building, no idea. No idea where anything is. Like, you don't have to tell me again that the director did that on purpose. I get it. But I certainly don't know where anything is. Back in the car, Roger had fallen asleep and is jarred awake by the car like getting moved. Uh, he thinks it's Stooge and yells some very insulting things uh, about Stooge, who isn't there, until uh, Helen's body smashes onto like the uh, roof and her face smashes on the, windsh- the windshield of the car in front of him. And this is why I said it's important to uh, note what Helen saw in the mirror, because if you pay attention, that body that she saw is the same as her body from the point of view of somebody in the like car looking at the windshield. Right. So that mm-hmm. was like her fate was her her death she was seeing which i thought was a really cool little detail um jay uh doesn't see any red flags with what's going on with suzanne uh so they attempt to bone down but whilst doing so uh she says that he needs to stop staring at her makeup (laughs) and when he asks what's going on she goes full demon face and says stop looking at me and gouges out his eyes which were cherry tomatoes, by the way. That's not what they were? Yeah. All right, cool. I just saw this one. He's like, stop looking at me. It's like, yeah, I just had his eyes like, oh, man. Uh, so he's dead. Uh, Franny and Max hear the screams, but they assume that that's just a good party and can continue to have sex in a coffin. Uh, they complain about it a little bit. Uh, Stooge shows up and they think he's going to be there to perv until he walks out of the shadows and you see he's demon faced. He immediately uh, snaps Franny's neck, 
uh, and then continually smashes the coffin lid over and over on Max's arm until he severs it. So pretty gruesome demise for them. Uh, Roger is back in the house. Uh, Angela welcomes him, but is also demon faced. So he runs away. <laughs> uh, Roger is just in for it right now. So he he uh, he runs into Sal. And this is the first time that I actually well, I, I kind of like Sal because he got had some awareness of what was going on. But he like shows some like actual leadership in character here. He's like trying to calm down Roger, trying to explain to him that like, you know, it's gone. It's gone wild, bro. We just need to chill out. So I'm, I'm actually starting to warm up to Sal a little bit, unfortunately. Uh, spoiler alert, he will not survive. Uh, so Stooge, <laughs> Stooge is uh, trying to break into the room where Judy is locked in, but is lured away by the sounds of Sal and Roger talking elsewhere. But then Sal and Roger show up and hear Judy asking for help. Uh, Roger, of course, uh, quite reasonably doesn't want to. He's like, what if the, she's also a demon thing or whatever, you know? Uh, but Sal, uh, you know, because of the power of boners is stronger, uh, decides to break down the door. So he breaks down the door and uh, gets Judy out, which again, just reiterates why Sal is like a way better match for Judy than Jay who left her there. And also I remarked that like Sal very easily breaks the door down <laughs> and like how hard was Judy trying to get out of there? But anyways, Angela is moving down the hall in a very spooky way. I assume she must have been on roller skates. Did they talk about this in the commentary at all? Because uh, she's kind of gliding down the hallway at that point. I don't remember, honestly. I don't remember. I don't. I don't remember that comment. So oh, they might. They might have glossed really, over. Really let me down on that one. Wow. But anyways, uh, Judy has one <laughs> Wait, of those. I let movie... you down. Yeah, you watch this entire thing. You can't even tell me if it's roller skates. But if they don't say anything about, it, like, how am I supposed to? Know? You said you didn't say they didn't say anything. You said you can't remember. Uh, those are two different right. things. But anyways, <laughs> uh, Judy has a Judy has a moment of like. I can't get up. I'm too scared. But Sal does get her to stand up and run away. All right. Now we're getting to now we're now we're getting to the real meat. Sal and Judy run into a room uh, and they try to open the window. Uh, they can't get it on. But then the lights, uh, inconsistent as they are, turn on, uh, revealing Suzanne uh, sitting on the ground with like Jay's head in her lap. But like his whole body is there. But she's like cradling his head. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, eyes gone, you know, messed up dead face. And, and this is like kind of what brings up like more of her, like, it's kind of cool. Cause the demon is like still kind of doing her shtick, but like, it's like, says they should all have an orgy. <laughs> Sal, uh, disagrees and, and tells, uh, Judy to run at which pace, uh, at which point Suzanne goes full demon. Uh, she pushes Sal straight out a window. Uh, he's, he's gone for now, but don't worry. He's not dead yet. Uh, and then she turns normal face and just tells Judy to run. This demon version of Suzanne is very playful, which you'll find, uh, as opposed to like, you know, the stooge one, which seems to be a mindless brute. And then the um, Angela one, which is just demon, you know, just pretty straightforward. Judy gets to the coffin room and finds uh, Ma Max's severed arm, which flies over and grabs her leg because, of course, flying uh, removed arm, almost a decapitated arm is like well, decapitated his head. That was actually a pretty good effect, by the way, the the arm like flying over and grabbing her. So um, that was made of gelatin, too. Oh, that one, you know. Yeah. And they were so, <laughs> and they were so worried that they she was going to ruin it. So like the lead effects guy who we, we've been talking about a lot that was uh, married to Linnea. Linnea um, Quigley, yeah. He was like hiding underneath one of the like um, props, like like the I think it was the coffin or something. 
and you know how she kicks it off of her? Yeah. Well, it's like really heavy and she like, I guess booted it and it hit him in the chest and like wiped him out. Like just like <laughs> wiped his ass out. Yeah. So that was kind of funny. They're like, yeah, that arm was super heavy. He's like, well, I had to make an arm that was kind of like as heavy as a real arm. And it's like, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, you had to, well, how could you not? But yeah, yeah. Steve Johnson is his name, right? Yep. Uh, and then the corpses of Franny and Max rise from the coffin. They rise from their grave. Oh, and God. That's a solid they, reference. What? Reference to Altered Beast? Yeah. I just posted on Facebook about Altered Beast this week, so I had, it's in my mind now. Man, that what a night, dude. That was a crazy night. When we got that Sega Genesis and got yeah. Altered Beast. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was when we were roommates. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so anyways, the uh, you know corpses chase her away. Uh, Junie is running from door to door, can't escape because they're all unlocked. So she goes back upstairs, which seems like the smartest move. Sal wakes up. He's not outside, but he's like in a chamber inside, like some kind of shaft. Because that window didn't lead to the outside because all the windows to the outside are boarded. So that was some weird shaft that he was in because he says something about how he's like still inside and it's weird. Uh, But then he's like, thank heaven for water pipes and then climbs up some pipes to get out of there. Um, Judy finally decides to be stealthy and she's like sneaking down the halls. Um, but then in at the end of the hall, uh, she sees Roger who's now outside on like a balcony, but there's like bars on the window. And of course she makes too much noise and gets jump scared by stooge demon. So now it's kind of like a haunted house thing where, um, she runs into Suzanne with a demon face and like, I was like, Oh, I got to run the other way. And then flees elsewhere. She finds a abandoned bunk room. Uh, with like old furniture in it, like some like bunk beds and some like dressers. Um, and I actually really liked this. Like, I think throughout this movie, there's like a lot of good shadow effects, but I thought this shot in particular was cool because like stooge comes into the room and he's like half of the screen is in shadow. He like walks into this like lighted area mm-hmm. and can't see her. Cause she's like hiding in a shadow and stuff like that. Overall, that was just like really well done. But then she goes to like a, like a, it looked like a parapet. Didn't it look like, like a parapet from a castle or something? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah. So she's on that and look at this outcropping and um, there's no way down. She hides from stooge who'd followed her there and uh, you know, he doesn't see her. So he like leaves or whatever. Uh, Roger is down below and he's like clearly trying to warn her, but she's like yelling at him quiet down or whatever. And then uh, cause she thinks stooge is there. But finally, you know, like he yells, uh, Roger just yells, watch out because Angela demon is also on the roof and she does like a little demon one liner, like enjoying the view and then tries to choke her out. Um, Sal rolls in, uh, saves her from the Angela demon by like grabbing the Angela demon and just like tossing both of them to their deaths. Sal is impaled on a fence post and Angela actually like now looks human again. So you think, oh, maybe she's actually dead. Judy is being told by Roger to shimmy over to above him so she can drop down. Um, Oh, also when Sal had tackled the Angela demon, that's Judy was like kind of pushed over the edge and is like hanging on to like the ledge. So that's why like she's trying to, you know, shimmy over because she's now hanging. So she finally does. uh, She does try to shimmy over, but she's like too busy complaining about how she can't do it. But then she finally gets like attacked by Stooge who's returned. Uh, and then she falls and Roger catches her. Uh, Roger uh, Stooge jumps down just as they're celebrating their life. It's like, yeah, dude, like you think his demon can't just jump down to you. What's going on here? A couple cool things about this scene. Sure. So 
in the original script, all of the people that were supposed to die were supposed to die like running down the hallways and going in different directions. And they said it would be more interesting if like one of them like redeemed themselves or had some sort of like heroic moment. And they're like, who better than Sal, right? Because like he was kind of a dick in the beginning. So um, they kind of changed the script a little bit to give him more of like a, like a heroic death moment. But the, the area that they fell into was too small to get one of those fall pads, like for the, like for the stunt people that did that. Cause they actually jumped off that roof. So what they did is they, they piled a bunch of cardboard boxes on top of each other. So when they jumped in, the effects person was said, basically they had to hug each other because if they would have left any room between them, they would have got like seriously hurt because it wouldn't have broken their fall. So I thought that was pretty cool how they, um, how they were able to kind of like create that kind of work around and, and make that scene still happen. And they said, that's why they did the flip too was so they could land correctly. Um, oh yeah. Cause it was kind of a weird, uh, weird movement. It was like did. a somersault yeah. and they said they had to do that to, to get the distance and like the, get into the center of those boxes. But then like the scene, like where they jump down where, um, Sal or not Sal when Stooge jumps down. Yeah. I think that would, they said they made that prop, that little section there was for his other movie that what, what's the witch. What was it called? Witchboard. Yeah. It was for the other one. The next one. Oh, witch trap. Yeah. Yep. So that, they were kind of like reusing effects and stuff. So I thought it was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, so, uh, yeah. So um, once they, they jump down, they're running uh, or Stooge jumps down. So they're running from him, but then they run into demon Angela again. And she's uh, like, she's the one who kind of taunts them a lot. Cause she like points to uh, Sal has a gravestone. She's like, we had a gravestone for him since he's sticking around, mm-hmm. you know, sticking around because he's now impaled <laughs> on a fence post. Uh, and his last name is Romero, surely a reference to George Romero. Another chase to the house. They what they they run inside the house to stop Stooge from following them. But Angela somehow is in there already and back on her skates again because she's gliding on the floor. We don't know if they're actually skates since the commentary didn't tell us. Roger and Judy uh, end up in a room and they're like kind of laughing like one of those like trauma induced laughter fits. But Roger breaks down and starts crying. And Judy comforts him and tells him that they will make it. And most of us are like, mm, will you, though? <laughs> Judy sees the door, uh, <laughs> doesn't know what a crematorium looks like, apparently. So she's like, maybe there's a way out in here. <laughs> so Roger tells them that they should pray. And uh, Judy tells the tells him, no, the time for prayer is past. <laughs> it's like, when did Judy become like a fucking action star up in here? I didn't well, expect they, they that. said that they're like, it was kind of interesting because like in most movies, it's the male actor trying to comfort the uh, female actor that's kind of losing her uh, like wits or whatever. And they said it was kind of cool that they had um, Judy kind of reverse that role, be like the, hey, dude, like buck up, like, let's get this going. So they, <laughs> they said that was kind of a cool, um, a cool change in pace. But yeah, so she opens up the crematorium or cream. Or is it, it's an oven, right? Or a, is it called an oven or a furnace where you burn, burn corpses? Either way, yeah, she opens the door to the furnace and she doesn't know what it is until she digs around a bit and finds a skeleton head. So she now knows that it's a crematorium that they're in. Uh, the demons have found them and are knocking on the door, trying to break in. Uh, Angela Demon says that they only want Judy and they wouldn't hurt a nice boy like Roger. Well, though, they didn't phrase it like that. They said, what? Like, we only want the bitch, but like, ugh, I don't yeah. really want to say that. Yeah, you so really anyway, clean that up. 
Yeah, it's like, that's what I, that's what the other thing is I should, probably should explain to listeners is usually I kind of like sanitize like more abrasive language when I talk about this stuff. So what was it? Uh, Roger tells them to go to hell. So he's starting to like get going. And then uh, they say not tonight. And then Ju- Judy has like this explanation of why they tonight is the night they can't they don't go back to hell that they, they can be on Earth. And she does it in the most gee golly way I've ever seen. It's like, oh, gee, Willikers. So it's Halloween. This is the one night of the year that they don't have to go to hell. It's like, lady, we get it. Like, we've seen movies before. <laughs> but uh, the demons start removing, like, the pins from the hinges so they can get in. Uh, Roger's too scared to be of any assistance. So what, Judy, like, unhooks, like, the gas pipe from the, the, yeah. the furnace. Fortunately, it still has gas coming to it. And she takes out her Chekhov's lighter. Uh, we have a moment. Uh, where it seems like she's not going to be able to get it because the lighter won't light. But just as the demons burst in, she's able to light it and torches those fools. So there was a cool part that they talked about. So Hal Havens begged them to let him be in the fire suit when they lit them all on fire. Really? Yeah. And so Kevin Tenney was like, I need to make sure I just tell everyone this, that Steve didn't make any of the like like any of this stuff was not done by Steve. It was like a third party. And he said they were all frustrated because um, the fire suits have huge masks because they have to have oxygen because there's no, like they'll suffocate. So the, the heads are huge. And then um, they have to put a mask of the actor, like whatever, like over, over that oxygen mask. So basically they look like they have basketballs on their head. They're huge heads. Right. And when you watch it, and you're not listening to them talk about it, you don't notice it. It's it's real quick, right? It's just boom. And they said, but that's the reason why they couldn't film that scene more is because of how bad the heads looked. So like in the commentary, when you watch it, you can tell like instantly when they point it out, like the heads are huge, <laughs> like like massive. Like it's like the big head cheat on um, NBA Jam. It's like real weird. How did I know you were going to say NBA Jam? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's like, we brought up we brought up some Genesis things. I'm just getting my uh, getting my plugs in. Yeah, but yeah. So I have to find uh, out a way to bring up Vector Man naturally. Oh God, yeah. Good luck. <laughs> we played Golden Axe. Uh, he was just following orders. That's. Uh, <laughs> you talking about Death Adder when you kill him? Yeah, and he's like, a, I'm actually there's actually a better bad guy. I was yeah. just following orders. <laughs> and you have to go to that last dungeon. It's basically and then what? Like the guy who's working for where the guy was like the main boss is just like a palette swap of the same exact character yeah, models. Right. Like, yeah. come on guys. You could have done it's like the, that. It's the red one or whatever. <laughs> Anyways, this has been our golden axe uh, podcast. It's a Sega Genesis. About, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is our Sega Genesis podcast. We talk about vector man and golden axe. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, but finally like uh, where are we at? Oh yeah. The, so she was like torching these fools. And then uh, finally uh, Roger snaps out of it. He runs over and turns off the gas. Because Judy could not. But then, uh, while Roger's over there, a skeleton arm reaches out to scare him. Yeah. Still not sure what, how, why or how a demon occupies a skeleton, but I guess that's what's happening. So now we're what? We're in the uh, main room again, like the foyer of the house by like the bottom of the stairs. Uh, Jay Demon comes out to confront Judy. Uh, Angela has another one-liner. It's like, what, Judy, don't you like your blind date? Yeah, his eyes are gouged out it's pretty funny yeah it's like pretty clutch yeah um demon forms of all their friends are converging on them in that foyer area uh and then here comes the moment that's the most memed moment of this movie you like a lot of uh listeners have probably seen this meme in some form uh without realizing it 
Uh, so like the whole thing is like what like the black guy is always the first to die in a horror movie, and at this point, most other people are dead. <laughs> so uh, you know, Roger's there and he's alive, and he he goes won't get me and just runs through the window and jumps the hell out like just dies head first through this window and judy's like roger just leaves her there it's like it's so cool because like all the demons are there he's like nope i'm done see you later so that's like one of those things is like he's one of the most famous like final boys of all of like horrordom because, like, usually it's a final girl. Like, usually it's a woman that survives to the end. But, like, sometimes there's a man that makes it to the end. But, like, that's the idea. Is like, he's, like, the one of the early, like, black men to survive to the end of the movie. So it's, like, a great moment. But Roger's all right from his jump out the window. And Judy just, like, follows him. Like, almost with no, uh, like, no impediments to her path. <laughs> other than some broken glass. So they're out there and uh, was it? She explains they have to get over the wall because she was actually paying attention to uh, Max's storytelling. So the only way to, uh, you know, escape the demons is to get past uh, running water. Um, there is a way up the wall, but it is a uh, piece of barbed wire, <laughs> which is hanging over the side of the wall. And Roger, uh, continuing his uh, desire to leave at all costs, just like climbs it even though he's like getting his hands slashed up he climbs up this barbed wire it's like this man wants out of here so <laughs> so like um like and, and you know judy's having a hard time she's like oh it hurts i can't do it so uh was it roger's trying to pull her up via the the barbed wire burnt burn up stooge returns he's all he's all flamed up he's grabbing judy gives her a big burn on her leg and tries to like pull her back down. The rest of the demons are on approach, so things are going bad. But Roger, unfortunately, is unable to pull Judy up, so he falls over the other side of the wall. So Judy's still hanging on to his like barbed wire, but she's having a hard time because by at this point, all the demons are grabbing up on her. But then Roger comes in clutch, comes back in, uh, and grabs the barbed wire and pulls her up just in time for the sun to rise, uh, which what like burns up the demons. They all just like turn into smoke. And you see like the the floating demon head from the mirror now in the sky screaming because it's upset about I don't know daylight. It's like two cool things. So they didn't have enough budget left to film a sunrise shot. So <laughs> from that other movie that we talked about, his other uh, movie they were filming at the same time, they had an unused boat scene and they traded another production studio for the sun. It was actually a sunset and they put it in reverse. Because they, they couldn't afford to keep filming a sunrise, which I thought was kind of strange. I don't understand movie making that you can't just like film a sunrise. <laughs> like, well, I think you have the set for so many days, and then like I, I then I I don't know I don't know how that works. Because to me, it's like just go film one. And I I I don't really understand it. But at the end, that demon effect. So what they did is they went into a dark room, and, uh, and they I found a real demon. No, they they filmed that mask that they made that like puppet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they filmed it. They filmed the reflection on this highly uh, reflective, like sheet metal kind of thing. He, it was certain. I can't remember what the material was called. But you know how it kind of like does that weird, like where it kind of phases out. Yeah, yeah. So what they did is they hit the, um, they hit the piece of material and like wobbled it, and it caused the image to distort and go away, and that's how they got that effect. Ooh, yeah, super cool. 
I like that. It was a yeah. good effect. It looked really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, so yeah, the demon head is gone. Uh, then we cut to it's like now broad daylight. Roger and Judy are just walking down the street, like just in bad condition, like clearly injured. But of course, we get our old man from the beginning of the movie who's like judging them for being out all night and tells them they will rot in hell. It's like, geez, dude, like they're bleeding. <laughs> like, relax. Uh, he goes inside. His wife had made him apple pie for breakfast. You know, he's like, what, he's eating it, and the, he asks her, like, how she got the apples for it or whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's like, and she's like, there weren't as many trick-or-treaters as we expected, so I used the leftover apples from last night. And he's like, oh, no, the ones I put razor blades in. <laughs> and then it's like his throat cutting open and just blood flying out of it. Yeah, and the razor, like, pops out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then... I'm like, did his wife murder him? Because then she like walks up and like kisses him on the head and says, happy Halloween. Like, <laughs> did you, were you planning on killing this man? And it's like, honestly, I hope so. Cause he sucked. He did. Uh, suck. But yeah. Yeah. And then we have a good eighties rock song to, you know, close that play us out, you know, end the movie and that's it. Night of the demons. I might have to do less detailed uh, plot synopses in the future. Cause that was so long. It was almost as long as the movie. Well, but you we don't did, want to shortchange any moments, you know. Well, we did. We took more time talking about Chopping Mall than the actual movie took to <laughs> like to go through. I thought that was kind of funny. That's yeah. why people come here for our expert film recaps. Oh yeah. But you know, now that we've gone through this thing, you know what it's time for, right? No, what's it time for? <laughs> Good setup. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> judgment categories. Make it sound really good. So, um, as <laughs> listeners know, the, the judgment categories are story, acting, effects, writing, and cult factor. Story, pretty yeah. good. I'll tell you what, I really like this movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, I I'd go A. Honestly, this was really good, and it was thought out. Like they thought about it. I know some stuff didn't make a ton of sense, but like Demon House, I guess. So, like, I don't know. I'd go A. I loved it. Well, that's the thing about uh, like the story in a movie like this is like if you look at it on a paper, it's like what just people in a house, right? Uh, there you go. But it's like you know you get some lore dumps, you get like reasons for people to separate that you kind of see happening. Like there's a lot of like animosity between the like the characters, or like they're kind of like mean to each other, and it like kind of makes them you know like I've said many times how insufferable certain characters are. But like it makes sense then why they would be more willing to. Uh, separate from each other or why they'd be more, like less likely to notice like behavioral changes in like their characters as they get possessed. And yeah, even though it's like kind of a bottle episode, all being in one haunted house, like I, I feel like the story was logical. There weren't a lot of moments where you're just like, what, why? And there weren't like moments like in the howling Two where you're like, what powers does Sybil Danny yeah, have? Uh, exactly? Which movie am I watching? Yeah. Like, why is this happening? Why is, uh, why is, uh, you know, nine foot tall, <laughs> Nine foot tall Christopher Lee standing at my sister's funeral. Six foot 20 fucking killing for fun. Six foot 20. Yes, exactly. Uh, was it 14 stories tall made of radiation? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's how, how many stories it was, but yeah, no. Uh, but yeah, I would say for story, I'd give it an A. Like this is fun. 
it's it's like not a long movie uh there's plenty of incident but like it's not confusing or weird or have like like all the lore is kind of explained but like naturally so yeah i would say a i like a um so i guess we'll get into acting which is actually for me where this takes a bit of a boot yeah go, go ahead sorry softy <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, you have some standouts in terms of acting. Like, I, I do think that Linnea Quigley's character has her moments when she gets demonized, especially. I I just think that, like, so I'm trying to figure out, like, the fact that I'm annoyed by the characters. Does that mean they're good acting or bad acting? Because, like, Hal Havens, like, stooge is, like, the bane of my existence. Uh, second only to maybe Sal, who is, like, also very frustrating. Yeah, but I think he was supposed to be... But yeah, no, that's what I mean. I, I think the purpose is for them to be annoying and to be terrible. But then you have like Judy, like our final girl is kind of like got this G golly persona that is just, right. uh, it doesn't seem very natural. Like I, I can't get over that. Her doing the explanation towards the end to Roger is like, at that point I thought she'd move past this like doe eyed, like, you know, what is it? Like lamb in the woods or i don't know what the phrase so they, is but like they kind of made fun of her because that, that's her in in, re, in real life apparently so like a couple scenes they were making fun of her like she would do something and then would do like a hop skip or something like a there and they would like tease her and they so basically the whole time they called her like the the set sweetheart like how she was just so nice to everyone and was just like a you know so i think i think that was just her in general <laughs> and again this was her first movie role so maybe she didn't know how to like break that personality where you kind of have to create another character but well i, I, I don't know how to tell you this that's what acting is so. well I, I understand that for sure for sure <laughs> i'm just saying like it's funny you you kind of mentioned that and i think they all kind of understood um you know which made her likable to some extent but then you're like okay we get it right you know what i mean yeah it's a um, bit much yeah but also i uh, i actually really enjoyed um you know roger like um what is it alvin uh was it alvin alexis like yeah. That's why I was so surprised that he didn't get like doesn't have more work on his resume because I thought he was great. Yeah, like he, he was in job. like alternate times, like you know, heroic and also self like you know about self uh, you know protection and stuff like that. Like the moment where he jumps out the window is so cool, but then like the moments where he has breakdowns are, like are also reasonable because that's a situation. Um. So yeah, I, I don't know. Like the, his acting, I think it was great. Um. So I guess overall, like the maybe the annoying characters aside, but like, because our main character was still like frustratingly vanilla, I, I guess I would, I would probably give it a B. Yeah. I could, I could live with a B. I think that, I think that's a really good, that's a fair, a, yeah, a fair, fair compromise. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So, uh, next one effects. How are you feeling on the effects, sir? Ah, oh, man, these were awesome. I, I would Agreed. say a, like they, there were, so, one thing they talked about the makeup that they had to do for the burn effects took like, I don't know, over 10 hours to put on these people for that last scene, like when they were going through that stuff. So like just the fact that they spent all that time and detail, the tricks with the house were like, you can't really figure out the layout. And it was because they purposely like changed the actual layout of the house. The fire scenes were crazy, you know, and then after listening to the commentary, when I kind of get to hear behind the scenes, like the, the scene you talked about where, uh, he jumps through the window at that door and it's like, oh, they ain't going to get me. Um, they had to, the guy, the actual stunt double had to actually jump out that window and land on the ground because it, the way that they were filming it, they had cameras everywhere. So there was no way for them to 
Like that's why that, sh- that shot was so good, right? Yeah. So the yeah, guy's like, because yeah, you see him like, Screw it, I'll out do the it. window. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, that's where he's like, I'll just do it. Yeah. So to me, I think that um to me that cements it as an A, personally. Well and that that uh and then like the kill, the eye gouging kill was sick. The, yeah. the arm effect earlier on was so cool. good. Like um I think I, I meant I don't know if I mentioned it, but at the end, like you said with the burn effects, like how there's burn makeup on like what was it, Angela, Stooge. Mm-hmm. Um, the demons that were trying to break into the crematory when uh, when yep. Judy and uh, Roger were hiding there. So that actually, uh, so at the end, all of the demons are like coming to them as they're leaving, and you get another good look at like all of the makeup effects, and you have like an arm off of the Max. Uh, they, they're kind of like zombies. I was gonna say zombie it was like they're not zombies, but like the Max demon, I guess, like had an arm off. Like they had um, the, and we probably should have mentioned it earlier, but the Franny one like still has a broken neck, but is walking and it's like really unsettling looking like all of the effects. And then like, yeah, Angela and, and Stooge burnt up. Like those were great effects and seeing them all converge at the end. Like whenever they're like, finally like going to think they're going to stop them from crossing over and everything. It, it was a unsettling, like for a movie that like largely wasn't that scary. It was more fun. Uh, that was a kind of like an unsettling thing is just because of all the, the makeup effects that were done. So um, yeah, A is A is fine by me. So like Steve Johnson has like the chops that this guy has. I mean, he's worked on like so before this, he was he worked with uh, the effects team on Ghostbuster. Um, he did um, Fright Night, but like since this movie, uh, he was Species, Species Two, Blade Two. So I mean, he he's like this guy's like legit. Ooh, Blade um, Two is my favorite Blade. Yeah, and then so he actually was working for Michael Jackson and got fired, and just how he got to—that's how he was able to work on this, on this uh, movie, which is cool because like you think like thriller and all the other stuff, like how the effects on that. So I, I absolutely, I think this is like such a like a talent that kind of got picked up because they were joking like we couldn't have afforded him now, right? But um, <laughs> it's just so cool like it to see his work and stuff, um, and. and like the the gelatin stuff, you know. Um, shout out to my my uh, brother in law and friend Adam. He listens to the show, but uh, he makes uh, Halloween masks and molds and stuff like this. And like you said, like the time and effort you have to put into making this stuff is unbelievable. Um, so he does that stuff, and it's it's mind blowing. Like it, and he, I mean his stuff is amazing too. Um, so it's just the time and effort they put into the stuff. It, like you can see the love that they pour into this craft. A a it is putting my foot down <laughs> why well, I, I agreed with you <laughs> hey hey it's an a <laughs> all right good enough uh next one is writing i uh, what do you think um you know i was thinking a lot about it because it's like there isn't a lot of stuff happening but i do feel like the way that these characters you know talk to each other the way that they act like seems a little bit outlandish and maybe it is a little bit over the top but I think it really plays into kind of the the action of the movie. And it's like one of those things is like when you have a movie like this where it's in one location, uh, I feel like the problem usually arises from can you get enough incident from that to create a compelling, you know, series of events? And I think they do. I think it works really well. I think there are moments peppered throughout, like whether they're exposition dumps, but that are uh, put naturally in different parts of the film and only to certain people. Like it feels like the only person who is like there for every exposition dump was Judy. And who's like one of the only two survivors is Judy. You know, she's 
experiencing all of this. And um, I, I don't know. And, and like there were moments like with the lighter being tucked away and used later. And that comes in handy in the, in the crematory. I, it just seems like it, it's overall pretty solid. Now you could argue like that there may be mm, not enough events that happen. Like it's a little bit too convenient that certain things happen. And that's fair. But o- overall, I would have to give it probably like an, I could go to a B, but I would probably say an A. Yeah, I think A is fair. And because of, like a lot of these movies that we're watching, you see like just issues with how things don't make sense. And it and it's not so much of like like we'll pick on the howling too. You know, there's just stuff that they wrote in there. You're like, wh- like why is this happening? Like you don't even explain this. There's no reasoning behind this. We're just supposed to accept this like at face value, which is fine. But I think here, everything that they did had a purpose. Like there were you know there were reasons behind. Even like I talked about the Alice in Wonderland thing. There was reasoning behind doing all of this stuff, and I and I think that they really captured that well on film and with the the writing so i'm i'm totally cool with an a yeah yeah i agree uh so last one is cult factor um i don't think there's any surprise here this is gonna be a (laughs) yeah for sure is anyone at home just like there's no way they're giving that an a after like loving it (laughs) yeah it's it's a it is it's it's you know it's, it's got a couple of sequels like you know diminishing returns on those but you know you've got all of the elements for like a great, you know, cult movie. Like you've got your, your screen queen, you've got, you know, your crazy effects. You've got your, you know, kind of silly premise. Like why would kids go party at this abandoned funeral home or whatever? Mm. And like, why would there be a demon trapped by uh, running water on all sides somehow at this house? It's like, who cares? Let's watch someone get his eyes couched out while he's having sex with somebody. That's crazy. <laughs> so yeah, like I, it's a all day. So I actually thought this was going to be our first like clean a the whole way across. Um, that let I, you down with the acting thing? No, nah, yeah, I just I I get like you probably could argue me into an A, but I agree with your your uh, B like for sure. But I honestly, I'm like I'm like man, this actually might be the first one that we give a five to or uh, an A, right? Sorry, I shouldn't say five A. Um, yeah, we're yeah. using letter grades, damn it. Yeah, well, you know, speaking of a really good letter. you're gonna puke i was well you did it when i was taking a drink i wasn't (laughs) ready you had to wait for me to spit up a little Uh, bit i'm leaving this in (laughs) oh yeah please do great yeah anyways as as uh fans as all our fans know uh our the d-roll is uh our final rating classification because the other five weren't enough so it is uh cult classic b movie grindhouse or trash uh, so what are you thinking? B movie or what? No, it's, it's cult classic. Yeah, for sure. It, yeah, that's I, I, this is like, that's not even, I don't know how to make a good joke about that. I'm like, yeah, that's cult classic. You can't even like, <laughs> no, there's no yeah. question. That's great. Yeah. And it's this is even highly ones. rated, right? Like it's not even like us just rating it highly. Like it was received well. So yeah. Yeah. And in a rare, uh, like if you look at something like the stuff, it actually like performed poorly at the box office. It became a cult classic later. Like this one actually performed well at the box office. 
it was a it was a low budget movie and it had a modest success i think it was like a a million budget something a million and a half maybe and it said one two one two is that what it was so and it ended up making like you know what three and a half four million like ended up making so like it easily made its budget back so it's like you know in terms of like cult classic horror movies it was a modest budget and it was a modest success and obviously spawned two sequels but it's like one of those movies that like to this day like people watch this movie they they enjoy it like they talk about it like this is this is one there was no never a chance it was going to be a b movie or below so did you read about how this was filmed or filmed how this was uh funded uh no what was it okay iran contra so the there the kevin the director had a friend who dropped out of school he was at ucla i think it was was he no usc i can't remember which school he went to they, they went to college together mm. and, he, and he dropped out and he actually the guy got a job working at a company that sells commodities right they sell and trade commodities and aren't all things commodities well no like like uh, raw materials like steel um i know it's a joke I'll, okay. let me try again hold on let me let me yeah. work on that all right hold on you, you need me to like edit in a build up or something what's the deal with commodities is yeah. that better Yes, I came uh, up with that on my own. No was, other comedian has ever. It was like said he was here. Like it was like I, I could close my eyes. Who me? I mean, I am here, and I'm in that coffee shop. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, yeah. sorry. Go ahead. Continue. Yeah. So the owner of that company hired his friend, and was like, "He's like, man, I hate buying and trading commodities. Can we, you know, let's get into movies? Like, you know, what? Like, do you know anyone that has any good movies or anything?" And he's like, "Well, I know this one guy." Uh, and then they started talking and the owner like the, of this commodities company was like, hell yeah, let's do it. They cold called and raised money. Like, like and they, in the commentary, they were joking about this. It was almost like Kickstarter before it was Kickstarter. They called and raised money from people to make this movie. Like how crazy is that? Like cold calling, like, like <laughs> it blows honestly, my mind. Like- actually worked out for the investors too. Like what are the odds that it would yeah. work for both, like both that they would raise the budget and then also that the budget would be like returned like threefold. Like what are the odds? Yeah. I, I mean, cause like you talk about, if you're trading commodities, you talk about a return on, on investment. Like that's huge. So yeah, it was, it was pretty cool how, how that was all, how that all went down. It was kind of like one of those perfect place, right, right moment, right time. Um, the movie was awesome. And people loved it, and they still love it, and I I love it now. This is going to be one of my favorite movies from the eighties. Yes, so, yeah. so cult classic it is. Not oh, that yeah. we are the arbiters of that kind of thing, but it is. <laughs> yeah. You, uh, well, I wanted to make sure I brought up. Uh, you didn't talk about the network at the beginning during housekeeping. I don't know if you wanted to bring that up here as we come as we're closing up shop. Yeah, a uh, little bit of downer. I mean, not a downer, but uh, we're we're taking a break or stepping back from one of our shows. Um, a couple of us have things going on and, and we just, you know, not, it's not going the way we wanted it to. So if you listen to our show, the tilt, we are kind of going on hiatus for, I, I guess, indefinitely it's not, you know, we, we don't have like a set, um, thing. So if you, uh, miss out on our gaming content and you, and you like to hear more about video games and other like nerd centric kind of stuff, like uh, board games, card games, um, anime, uh geez even some tv shows music the uh my former co-host uh nick um is on it's called backlogged and they're at the backlog pod um you can find them on every podcasting service so they they are part of our group right they're part of the network so 
Um, it's not like everyone's like splitting up or anything. It's just, we decided to maybe like take time and focus on other projects and stuff um, to help uh, kind of do what we wanted to and have fun. Right. That's our whole goal is to have fun. You know, and when stuff becomes not fun anymore or we're not really feeling it, you know, we all agreed like, Hey, we'll just take a step back and, you know, kind of let life roll. Right. So, yeah. So sorry to anyone that's a fan of that show. You know, obviously you can still uh, hear me here. Uh, Nick is still with Backlogged and uh, I highly recommend checking out their shows. Um, Dylan and Alyssa. So Dylan's another co-host on Backlog. They have a show. It's they're trying to offer like a female perspective on certain like nerd culture stuff. So if you're if that interests you at all, it's uh, Sir Cheddarsworth's Roundtable. Um, that's a pretty unique name, so you won't have any trouble finding it. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think that's pretty much all we've got kicking right now. Um, we talked about bringing in some other hosts and rotating them in through the different shows, just to kind of uh, keep it spicy. But yeah, I, I think that's all the updates I have. Um, we're still doing the movie reviews and the game reviews. So check out our website. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, you're the movie guy, so I don't know if we have anything coming down the pipeline. But uh, if if you have any suggestions, feel free to tweet us and let us know. Uh, you can follow our main channel. Is uh, I think it's at Dynamis Media. We um, I don't post there too often anymore. Um, I just like when we have little updates. So we're doing a lot from just the show channels on Twitter, but um, certainly check us all out. So yeah, thanks for the plug, Stefan appreciate it <laughs> yeah yeah we're too busy doing our apologies at the beginning yeah bring yeah us up to, uh, so bring us back so concerned um, about conan the barbarian <laughs> <laughs> well yeah conan the barbarian you didn't mention the character's name was valeria i noticed that too but i wasn't gonna mention uh. it but anyways uh so yeah we're coming to a close here and you know we like it when our listeners can watch along and and follow with us like watch the movie and then follow along with us on the podcast uh next one is actually not my choice for the first time so uh sorry i just made you talk about the network and now i'm going to tell you <laughs> to tell everybody what the movie you're going to make us watch is so the movie's called the supernaturals it's uh, i think it's what 1988 mm-hmm. right uh i think it's no i think it's earlier than that maybe 86 so it's on tubi um it's also on amazon prime i think we said it and is on amazon prime yes so this movie and i'm just gonna just gonna let like throw it out there guys not a good one um but <laughs> you are correct this movie is near and dear to my heart so the the movie store the local movie store that pretty much got me into horror movies honestly they were going out of business and they were selling like they they were trying to sell their movies the dvds went really quick um but the vhs they couldn't get rid of and at the time i don't even think we had a dvd player to be honest with you so my mom's like hey let's go down there and see what they'll do she was friends she went to high school with the owner and the lady's like, hey, I'll tell you what, give me 20 bucks and you can pick 20 movies. So being a kid, what do you do? You pick the cover art. So I went <laughs> around, grabbed all the the action movies that I liked, and I picked uh like I so it was 10 action movies and 10 horror movies. And Supernaturals made the cut. I don't know why. It literally the cover looks amazing. The movie's not that great, but I I got a lot of playing time out of it, just watching it over and over again. So yeah, that's my, uh, so like the howling two, <laughs> we're about to get to an, another bad one. <laughs> hey, LeVar Burton's in this one. So you, you just be careful. So maybe he might, he might have the, uh, Christopher Lee Riz. We'll see. Um, <laughs> yes, he's, but, does he have enough? Does he have enough to carry the entire movie? Uh, he can I'll see in this thing. movie. So it's, it's good. 
<laughs> he's not Jordy LaForge. <laughs> yeah. But is he the size of is he the size of like uh what is it, Freedom Tower in New York? Which yeah, is how I, tall Chris that's how tall Christopher Lee is. As I've I've been trying to go up even higher and higher with Christopher Lee's height, and I don't it's like what's the tallest thing I can think of off that, the top of my head? That Mount Olymp or Mons Olympus, Olympus Mons and Mars. No, I feel like every time Christopher Lee would blink, he grew a half inch. So like it's just like <laughs> so uh yeah. But yeah, so the supernaturals, check it out. Very cool movie. I'm excited to see how I do with choosing movies. I kind of picked a not a bad one, but I kind of picked a B movie like on purpose, um, just to see kind of how we fared. But um, yeah, it, that's all I had. Uh, do you have anything else you want to bring up? Uh, no, no. I think I've talked quite enough for one evening. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, I, I appreciate it. Appreciate appreciate all of you guys um and girls sorry that's a bad habit i'm from i'm from from western pa so that's a stupid I user the guys is kind of a gender neutral term that you could just but, apply to anyone but it literally isn't so, <laughs> so like well fair I, enough yeah. yeah i'm trying uh yeah so, <laughs> so um yeah thank you everyone for the support um i've been shane oh and i've been stefan not shane the different person keep it spooky Spook of If I do a scary voice, it makes it better, right? Yeah, I can tremolo that. It'll sound great. It'd be really funny if you don't and you just leave it like that and I just look like a complete ass hat. Uh, maybe. Okay. <laughs> I love the, anyway, I love the director notes. <laughs> hate it. And that's it. Bye. <laughs> hate, hate to love it. See you guys. Bye.